thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Longest-running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine, and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. It's just after 8 o'clock in the UK. This is Midweek Motorsport. It is Series 14, Episode 45. It is our Stars on 45 edition. Uh, we get it out every year and dust down that particular track to play. Good evening to Tim Gray, who is up in London. And on a packed show tonight, we have, Tim. We have all the usual features and we have some stars. We'll be talking to them with our big interview which is coming up an hour earlier than usual in about a minute and 44 seconds time. Well, that's uh, because it's our top story, effectively, yes. isn't it? Uh, we'll also have uh, Christmas Eve with us tonight uh, with some gift ideas for the festive season. Uh, plus all the usual features, Nick Damon and Shay Adam will be joining us uh, in the uh, later on in the show. Uh, and you've got 90 seconds. Uh, at Specutainment, hello to Christopher Matthias getting his apologies for absence in early working in the supermarket on the last shopping day before Thanksgiving podcast download or recording the show. Hello to uh, Miss Jax, uh, who is desperate for one of our World Tour T-shirts, still available uh, on the front page of the website. Uh, and uh, also listening in tonight, Brody Noir he's T-shirt shopping. Uh, listening for over 11 years, he says, but not continu- continually, uh, of course. No airfares tonight from Daniel Leschlip, who is listening live whilst driving round Lake Winnebago in the pre-Thanksgiving sleet. I'm looking forward to Eve telling me what I need to add to my Christmas list, first part of the second hour uh, for that. Simon Hoff can't make it tonight. He's going to bed early, listening to the podcast in the morning to see if Santa has come up with any uh, gift ideas. Uh, should I furnish the mantelpiece with sherry, brandy or whiskey? Uh, whiskey, if it's for Eve, certainly. Uh, Alexander Orkman, evening all. Share Chris for the uh, supper this evening. French onion soup with glorious croutons and mozzarella. Excellent. Right turn lover, listening in from Birmingham. Unfortunately, I was hoping that what started would be a one-day trip on Tuesday would have been concluded by me by another plane home. But alas, one more day in Birmingham tomorrow. But the good news is you can listen to us live, RTL. Good stuff. Adrian Michael Reese is on the evening shift. New phone listening to Specutainment while dealing with Christmas stock. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. Uh, we have an IMSA exclusive at the top of the show uh, this week. Uh, and first of all, let's say good evening or good afternoon as it is to him just after three o'clock Eastern time 
to Brian Sellers. Hello, Brian. No stranger to this show. How's your Thanksgiving and Christmas preparations going? So far, so good. Plenty of eating already, which is a bad sign because Thanksgiving's not till tomorrow. <laughs> oh, he started started early. How's Jamie and the family? They're great, actually. We uh, It's about that time to start doing Christmas lights and getting everything set up. So we spent the day yesterday uh, getting that ready because it was nice. And so the kids got to see him turned on for the first time oh, last night. Lots of smiles. It was good. Uh, we're on the show tonight. You are our top story. We've had you on as our big interview uh, before. Uh, top story tonight is not such a shock because we've hoped at least that you were going to be back in the Lamborghini with Paul Miller Racing. And I'm hoping you're going to tell me that, that you can confirm that right now to us. Well, it must have been a slow news day for you if I'm the big interview tonight. <laughs> it's always good to have you here. But what we haven't known is who your teammate is going to be. There's been plenty of speculation. Uh, you Certainly after the encore, um, we had an idea of who it might be. But are you going to tell us for sure who it's going to be for next year now? We are going to go into it, yeah. But I think uh, this would be the first time the news has been revealed. So I think it's appropriate of all the years we've done this stuff together that uh, maybe I'll let you break the news for us. Well, on the other line at the moment is Brian's teammate for 2020 in Paul Miller Racing. Uh, hello from work. And work for him is real work, uh, not driving a racing car. We'll get back to that because that's quite important. Madison Snow, welcome back to IMSA. Hello and good evening. Uh, fantastic to have you here, Madison. Um, we saw you at the Encore. We put two and two together and possibly got five, six or even 127. But you are going to be back in the Paul Miller Racing Lamborghini Huracan Evo with Brian. you excited? Yes, I'm very excited. I mean, back with Paul Miller Racing and back with Brian Sellers. I couldn't ask for anything better. Uh, we, I intimated there that you you spent some time away um you i, I don't know if we really want to go into all this again but I, i'll i'll say it to you it's great to have you back as a silver driver which puts you back in in that car yeah exactly i mean i'm just fortunate enough that emsa's put me back to silver so that i have this chance to you know run again with brian and what we should say is that you know last year when you were upgraded to gold you decided not to, to drive in IMSA and, and went back to doing what is your day job, which is where you're talking to us now from. You don't you earn your money from motor racing, quite the reverse. Um, you, you and your family put a lot of money into your motor racing. Yeah, for sure. And that, you know, upgrading the gold, that was a IMSA specific thing instead of Justin. I guess I was still silver with the FAA. So that was kind of a complicated um, thing as well. But yeah, I'm actually at work right now in the office um, talking to you guys on the radio. How was it getting back into the car? And I know that you and Brian have been good friends for a while. I know that you both and the Paul Miller guys have a great, great relationship. But how was it getting back in the car with Brian in a competitive situation back at the Michelin Encore, uh, what, a month or so ago? I mean, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was, I still stayed super close to the team. So it wasn't like anything changed there. You know, I went to Sebring, I went to Laguna Seca, um, hung out with them at those events, and then did a test day with Paul Miller Racing earlier in the year. So I'd been in the car, you know, once before that. And so it 
felt natural to hop back in the car with the team and Brian and go out there and race. I'm, I'm led to believe that you did a bit of testing during the time that you weren't racing when Brian wasn't available. So it wasn't as if you hadn't experienced the the Lamborghini Huracan Evo before. Many differences from the car that you and Brian won the championship with in, in 2017? To be honest, I didn't notice a whole lot of differences. So how this went is we won the championship, and then after we won the championship, I went to Italy with Lamborghini and ran the Super Trofeo World Finals. While I was there, um, with Brian actually showed up there, we actually ran the Evo car for a day, testing it there. Lamborghini was showing it off to us. And the car did feel a bit different there. But you have to look at it as that's a different team that set the car up. Me and Brian were just there to hop in and go. And so when it was my time to hop in the car for the test day with Paul Miller Racing, middle of the year, and then back at the Encore, it felt like home to me. It didn't feel like a whole lot of, you know, a whole lot was different, but I think that's a good thing. That's because you have the team setting the car up, you know, yes, the car got better, but the team knows what they want from the car. And it's usually pretty close to the same thing. Mm. Uh, And Brian, uh, renewing that relationship down at Sebring for the Michelin Encore, to be honest, it looked like you two guys had never been apart. It, it, it's like putting a, a pair of old racing gloves on and getting back into it. it, it I mean, it's funny. One of the things that I think gets overlooked a lot in motorsports, especially in sports car racing, is the continuity that that comes between drivers. And, you know, I said a couple of times, one of the things that we missed most with Madison was was not even his, his driving capabilities which obviously is is you know is, is is high but it was it was the attitude and and um, the closeness that you bring to the team you know when you remove one piece out of a puzzle the puzzle isn't quite finished so uh, as soon as that piece comes back it feels complete and for us it was good I mean you just it's easy to forget how much fun it should be being at the racetrack and I think that's one of the things like we saw at the encore again is when he came back things moved smoothly a good we had a good time there was really no um, kind of loss in terms of what we were both looking for in the car and what we needed. And, you know, that that's that's hard to find. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's not every day you stumble upon a co-driver that, that you enjoy being around uh, like the same thing and, and just have a genuine, you know, kind of joy for spending time together. Just think of it as an, a, a year-long safety car and you've just got back into it after all that. However... Mm-hmm. What I'm sure you have been... Well, it kind of works like that. However, what I'm sure you've been telling Madison is that the competition hasn't gotten any easier, hasn't become any easier since he he went away at the end of 17 with a championship trophy in his hand. No, I think that's true. And and part of me actually likes to think that um, we were the reason or some of the reason for the increase in in that, actually. I mean, if you look at, at that year that we were able to win the championship, it kind of set a standard in, in terms of what it takes to win the championship. You know, we, it was Madison and myself up against um, Alvaro Parent and Catherine Legg and Jerome Bleekamolen and Ben Keating in the end. And when you look at that, those are strong driver lineups. And I think that uh, the team was extremely good in execution that year. And, um, you know, then you saw the level of, once again, Mike Shank racing come back even stronger than what they already were. Riley come back even stronger than what he already was. With 
their drivers addressing, you know, everything they needed to address and address and the teams doing the same. So I think you just saw a huge increase in, in, in just overall competition. Uh, Madison, I presume that you just want to get to get into it now and do a bit of testing at the Raw uh, and then get into racing when we get to the Rolex uh, 24 at Daytona. And another manufacturer, of course, because you've got um, Aston Martin throwing their hat in the ring as well. We'll talk about that with Shea Adam uh, a little bit later with the rest of the, the IMSA sports car news. So uh, it's it's... As I say, the, the competition not getting any easier, and if anything, probably the field getting even deeper than it was when you won the championship. Yeah, for sure. And I'm definitely you know ready to get back in the car. I think one thing that often gets overlooked at Daytona is how little seat time you actually get because you always add drivers there <laughs> and you don't have a whole lot of track time. So I think that was like a huge benefit of doing the encore for us and for me especially, just to get back in the car and get comfortable so that when I go back to the roar, which will be the next time I'm in the car, and then the race after that, I'm actually, you know, a lot more up to speed than I would have been otherwise. Uh, and and I'll, I'll throw this out to both of you, accepting that you're both drivers, and this might not entirely be something you know. Uh, anything that you can tell us about the additional drivers for Daytona? Feel free to pipe up. We've had one exclusive tonight. We might as well, you know, fire in the others. Yeah. I, I, nothing, I don't think anything is completely confirmed in terms of who else is coming on board. Uh, I would assume, and hopefully I don't assume this incorrectly because that would look bad, but uh, I think it would be likely that we get um, Andrea Calderale back for us, um, mm. at least for our, our second um, pro driver in that role. He's been now a part of the team for, it, it could potentially be his fourth Daytona. Mm-hmm. And obviously he's a, you know, he's a huge feather in the cap for us, right? I mean, there's a guy that uh, just won both Blanc Pond Championship Sprint and Endurance in the Lamborghini, uh, runs and operates FFF racing along with being, you know, what's a pretty impressive resume driver. So uh, I think it's likely he'll be back with um, Madison and I for, for Daytona. And then we're still trying to finalize who comes in um, in the endurance role for the remainder of the season. Uh, and in terms, Madison, of, of you getting back in the car, we've mentioned you did a bit of testing, you did the encore successfully um, and enjoyed that. I know uh, from seeing the lap times, you've lost none of your, your edge behind the wheel for, for sure. But what have you been doing while you've been away? So, you know, we talk about you not being a professional racing driver and you aren't. So what what actually have you been filling your, your weekends and the rest of your weeks with? Well, I actually work at my dad's uh, work, Universal Industrial Sales, full-time. He's a steel fabricator. That's the UIS on the side of the car. And so we'll make guardrail for the side of the roads, or I guess Armco is what you guys might call it. And then sign structures that go over the freeway and all that. I mean, just steel highway products. So I've been doing, you know, full-time here. But like hobby results include... He's been camping. He's been (laughs) camping and hiking. (laughs) I've I have not gone camping once this year. I have been hiking though. <laughs> I, yeah, I, it's been nice taking a year off and like yeah, I mean living life like a kid or living life like I guess at home I should say versus mm. you know at the racetrack every other weekend. You're still a relatively young lad. I mean very young compared to an old so and so like me. What are you twenty twenty four now, Madison? 
I'm 23 now. Brian made a joke the other day thinking I was 24, but I'm still only 23. So, so plenty of time uh, ahead of you to uh, to do racing and your career. I mean, how important is is racing to you? Uh, what? And, and I suppose what I'm asking was, you quite happily stood aside last year and didn't do any racing because you couldn't race where you wanted to race so i suppose some people and I'm, I'm not being nasty here but i'm playing devil's advocate people might say well he hasn't got that much commitment if he, he could have gone and raced as a gold somewhere but you didn't want to do that did you no i mean i'm, I'm glad you brought this up i mean i love racing i like doing it but i like doing it with my family which i would say is paul miller racing and brian sellers at least that's been my family for the last i guess four years ago was when that you know started and so when I was told that, you know, we were functioning so great and happy and everything was going wonderful, that that could no longer be a thing, that we could no longer be a team, then I didn't want anything to do with that anymore. Which I completely understand because you're doing it. You put a fair bit of money down on the table, you and your family. If you're not doing it with the people who you enjoy it with, what's the point of doing it? Is effectively, I'm paraphrasing there, but that's what you're saying. Exactly. And I mean, one thing is, you know, we won the championship the last year that we were together. So that made it so much more enjoyable to be with the team mm. and, you know, give you gave me so much more emotion to racing. And so then when that was cut, it was like such a it's say such a large drop to not that any other team's a bad team or, you know, another co-driver would be bad. But it's I got very, I guess, mad, but sad that you know i couldn't be with who i wanted to be with well we welcome you back brian madison the dream team back together again for paul miller racing and i can call you the dream team because you were a championship winning team so that's reasonable Uh, and madison i have been calling brian the tony stark of imza with his face fuzz uh, at the moment so i want you to i want you to keep that one going okay brian grow one you grow a beard one time and all of a sudden <laughs> I reckon that'll be gone by the time we get to the Daytona 24. Yeah, it, def- it definitely uh, not, will be. It definitely will be. Not when he gets there, he'll fly in with the beard, and then before he goes <laughs> to the track the first day, he'll have it shaved off. I've seen this time and time again. <laughs> well, you can see why they are two of the most popular drivers uh, with everybody in the paddock, uh, and with us here on uh, IMSA Radio and Midweek Motorsport as well. Um, thanks very much to Paul Miller Racing, to Julie Bentley, uh, to Jim to Brian and Madison, everybody who has set this up to do that exclusive announcement. The press release went out basically as we were announcing it here on Midweek Motorsport. Uh, Have a good season, guys. Race well and be safe, won't you? Thanks, John. Thanks for letting us break the news with you. We appreciate it. Thanks, Madison. Thank you very much, John. Cheers, man. Have a good day, both of you. Uh, That's Madison Snow back in to the IMSA paddock, uh, paired up with his championship-winning teammate, of course, uh, Brian Sellers, uh, and that coming to you live and exclusive here on Midweek Motorsport before the press release went out. Again, thanks to the team and to Julie Bentley for putting that together. Tim, where would you like us to go next? Uh, We're going to talk about Toyota. Okay. Uh, because they've announced uh, some driving news. Okay. Not really news to us, though, because we already knew it, because we were talking about it last week. Right. Uh, But they will have 
Sebastian Ogier, Elvin Evans, and Callie Robin Pera at uh, their team next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ogier, uh, we did mention this, didn't we? we you, did. you, yeah, I thought we did. Well, yeah. well, when we uh, talked last week about Citroen affirming its commitment to uh, rallying by withdrawing from the World Rally Championship as a manufacturer. Um, we did mention that uh, Sebastian Ogier was going to Toyota, and now it's been announced that uh, Sebastian Ogier is going to Toyota. I believe we also mentioned that Elvin Evans was also going to Toyota, yeah, and did. that's also been announced. Yeah. The third driver, uh, Callie Rovenpera, is the son of... Harry Rovenpera. Harry Rovenpera, um, who is someone who obviously is very well known to uh, Toyota's head of rallying, who is... <laughs> Toyota's head of rallying is Tommy Mackinnon. It is. Yeah. Who rallied with him or and yes, against him. Against him. Yeah. With him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh you listen to Midweek Motorsport, it's the Stars on forty five edition. And do you want me to, to speak to Shay now? Let's uh now that uh, we have Shay, let's uh, go back to our top story and get Shay's reaction on it. Uh great to have the boys back, Shay. Very popular with everybody in the pit lane. Hello. Yes, yes, it is very popular. Uh, glad to have Madison back and Brian back with Madison. Uh, Paul Miller once again. This this duo, which I'm pretty sure Madison only hasn't gotten a podium at two tracks on the IMSA schedule, both of them being the street races. So it's going to be an interesting year to see how effectively he bounces, bounces back into that role as co-driver. But it is going to be a different situation because keep in mind, He's going to have to qualify every week now, and that's oh, something yes. that they they swapped back and forth. Brian getting pole at Belle Isle and Long Beach. I wanted to say the last time. Uh, yeah, that's very true. Actually, um, Madison's been very successful at a number of tracks. You're you're absolutely right. Um, that's not the only IMSA news, of course, um, because uh, I, I mentioned there with uh, Brian and Madison uh, on that uh, that call. That we've got we've got ja- we've got jacket we've got Aston Martin coming back. <laughs> you, you wanted to say to say Jaguar there, didn't you? I did want to say Jaguar with that for no apparent reason at all. <laughs> that would be quite amusing if they decided to come race in GTD and say one of their nice sedans. That that would be quite amusing. Yeah, Aston Martin. We're expecting an announcement to come later this week as to their alliance with uh, Heart of Racing, the team that ran with. With Alex Job racing back in 20, ooh, I want to say 2014 through 2016. Drivers who came through that included Alex Riberas, Mario Farnbacher, Ian James. Uh, it was a really good team, a team, and it was funded by Gabe Newell, a guy who we really need more of him in the paddock. So I really hope that when the announcement comes out and we find out that this program, which has been working very hard in the background with Ian James, is a pivotal part, that it will be a, a big announcement that we can celebrate just as much as we have with uh, Brian and Madison. And another manufacturer, of course, in terms of Aston Martin going into the GT3 portion of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Uh, obviously, we've had them in GT4 in the Michelin Pilot Challenge before, so not in addition to that. I think it's 19 uh, manufacturers across the, the IMSA Championships, but new into the, the GTD ranks which is you know it's good it's it's the first time that we've seen the new shape vantage or it will be the first time we've seen the new shape vantage in gt daytona and it's the first fruit to be born from the new aston martin racing uh project in the states as well 
Yeah, correct. And I think that brings us up to nine manufacturers potentially in GTD for this year. So we've seen Aston Martins run as one-offs before in um, GTD and at the end of class. I mean, think back James Davison a couple of years ago when he got four full positions in a row running an Aston Martin. I was back for TRG. But this is going to be a very different looking program when it does come forward. And I'm, I'm, I'm expecting the same results. I'm expecting it to be a very strong car. But but it will have growing pains. It will take some time, as we've seen from many of the other manufacturers when they first came into the category as well. Um, stories that we were expecting but weren't ours to break. Corvette? Yeah, uh, Rocky is out at Corvette. There is a clash between DTM at, uh, with a race in Sweden, I think it was, mm. and the 24 Hours of Le Mans. So rather than get a driver who would be available for three of the four rounds, i.e. Daytona, Sebring, and Petit Le Mans, where you do need a third driver, they've elected to go for somebody different. We don't know who it is yet. That announcement will come out at a later date, but it has now been confirmed that Mike Rockefeller, who's been the third driver in the number three car for, for three consecutive seasons, will no longer be taking up that mantle in 2020. Uh, and staying with GT and with GTD, uh, Lexus um, have pretty much got a, uh, a, a steady ship there at AIM. <laughs> yep, very good way to put it. Uh, we saw Parker Chase join with Jack Hawksworth and Richard Highstand for Petit Le Mans last year at the end of the year. We heard rumors buzzing that Parker would be one of their full-time drivers for this coming season. And now it has been confirmed that it will be Parker and Jack Hawksworth. But we still don't know in which car Kyle Busch Bush is going to be driving for the Rolex. So that's still a little bit of fun. Can you imagine being Parker Chase and going from not driving race cars at all, like, go? to sharing with two-time and reigning champion being Kyle Busch. Yeah, very good. <laughs> um, saving, in some ways, the best till last in terms of good news, good news. Mm. Um, we knew that the Action Express partnership with Mustang Sampling was coming to an end after Petit Le Mans. We said uh, right throughout the last couple of races of the season and throughout Petit Le Mans that the... Strong rumour in the paddock and the, our understanding was that they wouldn't be going. Of course, what we knew and what we could say were two different things. But we know how that has now played out. That broke, I think, last Thursday or Friday after last week's show. Yeah, it was a bit of um, stunning news. It was actually on Friday because I was sitting in the uh, Forza RC studio and my mouth hit the floor and everybody couldn't understand what I was getting all upset about. Sebastian Bourdais, no longer with Dale Coyne Racing. It was a huge, in huge IndyCar, and yeah. unexpected in IndyCar. Yes, it was a huge and unexpected announcement. Hot off, hot off the heels of that, we got confirmation, though, that the number five will not be out of IMSA competition. That car, which has been running Mustang sampling for many, many years now, will continue with the number five. It will still be a Cadillac and Joao Barbosa behind the wheel, but it will be with JDC Miller Motorsport. Yeah. So when you look at it from Ken and Brenda Thompson's point of view, they're not even going to switch eat because JDC and the Action Express both eat under Marion's tent. So they weren't lying to me. They and weren't not, saying that. And not switching their race number. Seen. Crucially, they're keeping the number no. five. Exactly. That is the number, the number that has brought them so much success. So they've elected to keep that number, which means that uh, we are still waiting for a full season lineup for the other, other JDC Miller Motorsport Cadillac. 
That one, we expect to still maintain the number 85, which has been has been their traditional number. They switched with 84 this year. And remember, the year before, they ran 99. But the big piece of the pie is that Bourdais will be will be reuniting with Barbosa, the two of them winning the 12 hours of Sebring together, the 24 hours of Daytona, a very successful partnership. Christian Fittipaldi still playing a role as driver advisor yes. to the team. So he is still a part of that trio as well. And then their endurance driver, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, they bring in some guy called Loic Duval to be a, a, a Loic Duval world endurance champion and, a, oh, yeah, Le Mans winner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Shit, settle yourself down after the excitement and all the IMSA news at the top. We'll have you back in the second hour of the show. Shit, Adam, uh, joining us live from Fort Lauderdale. Great to have her company, and she will be back uh, later on this evening. Thanks for your comments at the top end of the show. Scott, Third Wheel Racing is catching us live for once. Uh, he says, I'm hoping to at least if the work firewall permits. Otherwise, I'll catch the download later. Happy to Turkey Day from this side of the pond uh, from Phoenix, uh, Arizona. Good to uh, know that you're listening in tonight. Well, if you can, uh, Scott, thank you. Rob Jane are listening in uh, for the first time in ages. So is Kevin Payne, Chris Suku, no EFAs tonight. He's having dinner with Alex uh, provided, uh, prior to him getting back on the road home. Apparently two hours of washing up to do for Chris this evening. Very good. Matt Endine, uh, preparing for a car trial this weekend. His 11th different motorsport discipline this year. Matt, we salute you. If I had a hat, I would doff it to you uh, immediately. Erin uh, and David Dubruz are listening, hoping for a repeat result this weekend in Deb Abu Dhabi for Erin. She's a big Red Bull fan. Uh, James cool Thursday morning in Melbourne. Hello, James. Very nice to have you tuned in. Uh, apologies for my presence, says Jean Chavez. That's for, No, you don't have to. But just thanks for being here. Thank you. Sam Piers, uh, listening, uh, says a uh, bit of a surprise to find my picture is now in Midweek Motorsport episode 44. Yeah, well, there you go. Tweeted by, uh, tweeted by Nick Tandy, I think. And as we were talking about Nick, we thought we'd uh, use it, Sam. Thanks for that. Uh, morning from tomorrow. Have an hour before I have to go to work. So only listening to the first hour in Australia. So Ted the Toyman. Hello to you over there. It's the cricket season now underway. Sarah Rigby tuned in. Already had her Aston Martin mentioned tonight. So she'll be pleased. And I hope she was listening to the DB11 test before the show. Uh, and uh, right turn lever says uh, Madison could have raced as a silver everywhere except in IMSA. Only IMSA had reinterpreted it. Yes, and as he said, RTL, and I thought that was a decent answer, to be honest. I, mean, I didn't want to race anywhere else. I wanted to race with the people I wanted to race with. And as he's paying his money uh, money, and the family's paying his money, then surely he should have the choice, and he did. Uh, Neil Gardner was a little bit late in tonight, uh, but tuned in now. Um, what's everybody's views on the Porsche engine and its potential destination into a hypercar, says James O'Donnell. We'll talk about that a bit later on. And Monty in Daytona. Hi, Monty and Billy. Nice to have you in tonight. Uh, happy Turkey Day uh, to you. Is it Thanksgiving today? It's tomorrow, isn't it? It's always a Thursday, uh, as far as I'm aware. Tim, where would you like to take us now as we've cracked through the first half hour of the programme? I'd just like to uh, prove that we are live All by right. saying... Uh, 13 for 4. Ah, right. right. Excellent. Uh, in the second innings at Central Punjab against uh, uh, Kaiba Pantunkwa. Right, okay. is, that, is that a 
T20 or a T10 game or something like that? Uh, no, I think this must be a full four-day match because it's a second innings. And, 13 uh, for four? It was, uh, yeah, uh, Kyber uh, won the toss. They scored 355 in their first innings. Then Central Punjab got 228 in their first innings. 170, uh, sorry, 197 for seven declared in the second innings for Kyber, and 13 for four off uh, just 26 balls. Uh, hello to Gasoline Alley Cat. Says only people in sports car racing will ever know the true legend that is Marion's. Uh, listening to Midweek Motorsport, shout going out to Gearbox Girl doing Fort Lauderdale proud. More of uh, more of Shea uh, this afternoon and uh, hello to Kelly Brulee as well, Keir Brew uh, listening in to us tonight uh, next story, t- I'd expect your team by the way if you want to get in touch with us, where next Tim? Uh, we're going to move on to Formula 1 next and that means we need to introduce our Formula 1 correspondent Nick Damon no, you, see, you have to go, now Nick Damon it's Formula 1 Otherwise, I'm cheering myself yeah, rather than is, cheering Formula well, 1. You never cheer or clap yourself. That's like the Oscars. It's a bad thing. So, uh, Formula it's 1... It's almost as if I don't want him to cheer. Well, yeah. He, he's a bit lethargic tonight because of dinner, which we'll talk about at, at, at the moment. My the lunch cooking. made me lethargic. Did it? Yes. Well, I had to have a snooze this afternoon. So, we have Nick Damon now to talk about Formula 1. Hooray! And that's why yeah, I didn't think. want it to happen. Oh, yeah, but you know, it's a thing now, isn't it? It's a thing. It's, it's like a thing. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Um, I've just got that on a... I must put all of these on a hotkey. So it would make it a lot easier for all of us. Yeah, and then we can do it when you're not there. Uh, Formula One, then. Formula One, it's all coming to an end after a nine-month... Yes, nine-month tour around the world, literally. And you're going to Abu Dhabi at the weekend to see, see the Formula One. No, I'm not. I'm going to Dubai the same day. I'm not going to see it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing Declan Brennan. Uh, yes, you're arriving in Abu Dhabi the day after the Grand Prix is finished. That's the opposite of Declan. No, I'm arriving in, I'm arriving in, uh, in Dubai, which is obviously the same country. Well. Uh, UAE. Uh, on the day of the race. <clears throat> We're having a holiday. Right. Uh, and do you want to talk about... Well, I'll let Tim start this off. Uh, yes, because uh, Red Bull have announced an extension to their engine agreement with Honda. Yes, but only for a year. Mm. So Why is it, that? I, well, it was 2020. They've now extended for a year to 2021. Um, my feeling is that uh, Honda are a bit kind of ummy and ari about um, return investment. Uh, they spent a huge amount of money over the last four years trying to get the thing to work. And in fairness to them, they've done, had, done a pretty good job this year. Um, they are waiting to see whether the, uh, the intended rules uh, changes, which include the, the cost cap, will actually cap their costs as well. Because it's supposed to be a reduction in R&D for the engine manufacturers as well. Mm-hmm. So they want to make sure they're spending a bit less money. However, I think it's rather important for Red Bull to just nail down the fact that they will be using Honda engines in 2021 because obviously they're everywhere designing the 2021 car now. Um, you know, mainly because they can spend a lot of money designing it next year before they have to hit the uh, the cost cap again. So they want to know what their engine is going to be, what it's going to look like, and everything else. So um, it's quite an important announcement for uh, Red Bull. Um, I'm sure that Honda whinging about the money. Um, may have changed the, the, the. Who knows? Perhaps the engines aren't completely free anymore. Or perhaps Toro Rosso are paying. Perhaps a few extra pound notes or euro dollar bills or whatever are coming across from uh, our, our drinks conglomerate, who of course were paying entirely for engines up to a couple of years ago because they so annoyed Renault. Um, yeah, so it's quite. It's actually more important than it looks, and also less less secure than it looks because they've only gone for an extra year whilst Honda Fire was going on. But it does mean that Red Bull know what shape their engine will be in 2021. Hmm. Who thinks Sebastian Vettel's going to suffer if he doesn't make friends with Charles Leclerc? 
everybody. Charles Leclerc. Who's 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 been <laughs> talking about it in the media this week? Uh, is it is it a well-known renter quote or something new? Uh, not a particularly well-known one, no. Um, it's is not it, Jacques Villeneuve. It's not Jacques Villeneuve. Uh, it's not Eddie Jordan. Uh, you have to give me a bit more of a clue on that one then, because which renter quote you found? He's German. Uh, oh, he's German. Is it uh, Timo Glock? It's Ralph Schumacher. It's the same thing. Uh, what's Ralph saying then? He's saying that he's, he's pontificating on on Ferrari, is he? Uh, pretty much, yes. I believe there will be a difficult internal discussion because Binotto is coming under pressure. Ferrari has other worries and its teammates constantly arguing, and they both have that responsibility. They're both old enough. I think it's serious enough that if it doesn't get better, if there are no clear commitments, then Ferrari might think about changing something. It will be difficult for both of them, but especially Sebastian. It's clear the future is with Charles. Yes, but they are nailed on contract-wise and who's available-wise next year with uh, Fettel and uh, Leclerc. They're going to have to sit down and have a real chat about it, but then they will change in 20 because they're not going to re-sign Sebastian. So, um, yeah, you know, that's... that's. You heard it here first. I'm sure I've said it before that. Um, Yeah, and they made their bed right at the beginning of the season by saying they were going to prefer Sebastian. And Sebastian, who was better for the first race and a half, uh, hasn't been since. I mean, been, in fairness to in fairness to Sebastian, there's been more ebb and flow. Of. He's, he's particularly poor in the middle of the season, but the last five or six races have been a little bit more even if you take into account the various problems the car have had. But you still would say that uh, Charles is the faster driver and makes less mistakes. They've both been a bit mistake-ridden, but he makes less mistakes. Um, but I can't yeah. see Ferrari um, turning around in March next year and going, we're going to favour Charles Leclerc. Perhaps they'll just say, we'll see what happens. And what will happen will be more of the same because you've got two racing drivers who are trying to be the biggest boy in town. Uh, which top Formula One drivers admitted he's not good enough to win a title at the moment? Uh, he's not good enough? Yes. He himself. He himself. Uh, ooh, I don't know. Uh, Carlos Sainz. Max Verstappen. Really? That's, that's a remarkable piece of... Uh, that goes against everything he said. So re- I, I've heard him say, I'm the best. If I had the best car, I'd win every race. I'm the best. I'm the best. TM, Max Verstappen, I'm the best. Uh, Max has said, uh, Fernando Alonso is the only person who could uh, prevent uh, Lewis Hamilton from winning another Formula One World Championship. Hey, hmm. what, what context was that? I think if Alonso came back in one of the cars at the front of grid, he'd be a main candidate to win the title, Verstappen told Autobuilt. Yes, but is he saying, I'm not, then? I think, uh, I think that's been misread or mistranslated, I'm sure. Possibly. He was prob- the last thing Max Verstappen is not going to say is that if I had a decent car, I wouldn't win easily, because that's what he's been saying non-stop since he turned up, on, turned up and crashed into everything the first two years. So... Yeah, that's a translation issue. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know whether I'm not as sure that Alonso would actually do it. He, he's a couple of years out of the thing. He's on the he's on the way, and he wasn't super impressive all the time in Wick, in fairness. But, but oh, uh, super impressive. I he, thought he was very impressive at Le Mans first year. Second, he didn't need to be. Well, it should have been more actually, but they were gifted the race, weren't they? Were gifted. Let's not get into that now. Um, they lucked into the race. Let's say that. Yeah, that's um, that's, that's better. And I think that um, you know, eventually, old father time catch up with everybody, especially when you start taking time out, mm. and especially when the young guns are getting quicker. 
Um, my feeling was that it wouldn't be as bad as Schumacher's return, but I don't think he'd find himself even in the top car right at the front. Okay. Uh, which driver has said he will uh, not race in Formula 2 anymore? Artem Markolov, because he races there all the time. Uh, no. Uh, don't know then. Nicholas Latifi. Well, he doesn't need it, does he? He's got a Formula 1 drive next year. I think he's announced yet. I think he's going to run, run this weekend. Uh, the Canadian driver has missed out on the title, which mm. obviously went to Nick de Vries. But doesn't he need to... Is he, is he sealed second? Sochi. Uh, he has got second, yes. I don't think he'd be caught in so second. So he's got the points for the super licence. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I've been looking forward to this last race of the season because it's been a big break since Ever Sochi. since he was a small boy. Uh, nearly two months. Fortunately, I've had a lot of things to keep me busy, like taking part in uh, former, in free practice one in Mexico, taking part in free practice one in the USA, and taking part in free practice one in Brazil so with uh, Williams. In two months, he had four and a half hours work. Mm. Mm. Well, MP? behind the wheel of the car. <laughs> The MPs wouldn't want to work that much. That's true. But he's, he's also had to uh, ask his dad for lots more cash for the drive. That might have been more hours of work. Yes. Dad, I don't want to drive the Williams. Please, Dad, please. It's not very good. Have you tidied, drive it. Have you tidied your room up? It's not going to be as awful as before. Claire says it's going to be great next year. Can I have some cash, please? <laughs> Let's do some circuit news. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, I've got both. Ooh. <laughs> we've, we've mentioned before... Uh, about Rio wanting to uh, take uh, the Brazilian Grand Prix back. Yes. And uh, this week they have announced an environmental impact assessment, mm-hmm. uh, which will go on for up to a year. Really? Yes. No, I'm just really surprised that the uh, that they need to do an environmental impact assessment, given mm. the fact that um, every day they cut down... 17 football pitches worth of forests in Brazil. Why are they particularly bothered about a, a something they're building on a brownfield site? I was going to say, this is not going back to Charopagua, is it? No, just no, the it's... fact that there's an Olympic stadium on that site now. Well, they'll just drive around it like, they, like the well, Miami that, stadium. That, it's not hard. That's why I was asking That's why I was asking that. This is the... This is, is going this to be in Deodoro. Right, is this the Autodromo Ayrton Senna? No. Really? Really? Okay. This is a circuit which has not been built yet. Yes, but they are going to call it the Edema Auto Serial, aren't they? Are they? Yeah, they're trying to, get, they're trying to uh, in, engender a little bit more um, support by associating the name with it. Yeah. It's quite clever. It's this is all actually caught obviously on the back of the uh, exceptionally right-wing president who's there at the moment. Yes. They, they've appointed some builders. Have they? Yes. Diodoro. Ah, right. So this is the old army ground at Diodoro. Right, okay. Yes, it is. It's, so it's going to be called the Autodromo Ayrton Senna. Yeah. Uh, they've appointed some Spanish builders. Okay. Um, who can we just gloss over that? Because there's just so much could, we could do could at everyone, that point. Can everyone just assume we've done the six jokes? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> who are going to be assisted by a German company. Is it Tilka? Um, no, it's Sport Total, the people oh, okay. behind it. Is uh, Tilka involved in any way no. at all? Okay. Sport Total are the uh, people who rescued the Nürburgring. Well, but there is a design. What? There's a there's a definitive. Not well. When you say rescue, <laughs> do you want to just? Hmm. Uh, there is a design. Made it for less this bad job. than at its nadir. Oh, yes. So kept it open. That's kept it open. That's, that's, like, that's like if rescuing is is sending out the the lifeboat and then thinking about pulling you out of the water. Hmm. Might do, Jerick. Not sure. 
Uh, the good news is that this new circuit, which hasn't been built yet and might never be built because uh, they've still got a year of environmental impact assessment to go, uh, has signed a contract with MotoGP. Yes, it has. That is true. Five-year deal. To start when? Uh, just after Circuit of Wales. Right. Uh, what does the promoter of the Formula 1 Grand Prix of Brazil at Interlagos have to say about it? We've got a contract till the end of 2020, so it's not going anywhere. We're currently in talks for a 10-year extension to our contract. Mm. <laughs> Biggest problem is, though, much as um, it's a fabulous track, it's in a constant state of disrepair. It's underinvested in. There are various issues with the financing. And the president of Brazil, who is quite a let's-do-things-my-way let's do things my way sort of guy mm-hmm. uh, wants us to go to Rio so I would not much as I love uh, the uh, Sao Paulo track I don't think you know in my normal would you better watch on it I wouldn't better watch them doing, getting 10 more years well on the 10th of October 2013 the Brazilian Grand Prix contract was extended till 2022 yeah. but that doesn't necessarily say where it is no, but I think it is. I, well, it's I, with that particular promoter. 2021, who is I thought they were. Key. Yeah, well, no, it says Brazilian Grand Prix, not 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 at. Um, yes, but the, the contract's with the promoter. Right. Okay. Mm, well, you don't know because don't forget a lot of these, um, a lot of these these, these um, contracts which have or did have, and certainly 2013 may well have had, uh, government and regional support would actually have been signed in a in a in a cooperative way with the. So the, so the national the government might have a say in this. I, I see, I'm thinking most of the money came, came from the regional government. Right. But of course, the regional government money comes from central government, not getting too political. Um, no, 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 but you're absolutely right to bring that up. You really are. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 I have no you know, axe to grind on Rio, but I'd rather see someone properly invest in Sao Paulo. It's a brilliant track that produces really interesting races, as seen last two weeks ago and several times in the last 10 years. Mm. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport, uh, 45 minutes into the show, and uh, Nick Damon is with us. Second half of the short night, we'll have Shea Adam back to talk a little bit more about American and sports car news, and Eve Hewitt will be here with Eve's Christmas presents. Hurrah! Hurrah! Some circuit news now. Some more circuit more news. Circuit more circuit Double news. circuit news. This is like when you're, you're big calendar days. Oh, I just, like just like a calendar. <laughs> I'm waiting for the FIA World Motorsport Council to have a meeting as well. <laughs> you can't sleep that day, can you? I got an invitation from the FIA <laughs> recently, and the it wasn't was half a definition of a half-hearted invitation. <laughs> was it for a safety awareness course? No, no. I got one of those. Northampton Police. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was for the um, it was for the Hall of Fame. Oh, you're going in, are you? I'm going into the, the FIA Hall of Fame. John and Aerosmith are both going in the FIA Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame, apparently. They sent me a nice video <laughs> with Le Mans cars on it. So, obviously, they're inducting me on Monday into the Hall of Fame in Paris uh, as one of the first inductees from sports car racing. Are, are they actually doing the inducting on Monday then? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. At five o'clock in the afternoon. Who is it at the moment? Is this the first year? I think so. Oh, wow. Cool. So it's always easy the first few years. My bet's on Tom Christensen. It's always easy for the first few years. No. Then we'll start with Jackie X. I'm sure they can have more than one drive in the Hall of Fame. No, because no, they're, they're no, having because three inductees. One, one from rallying, one from F1, it's, and one from... It's really, really, really easy the first 
30 or 40 years. If you look at the potential inductees to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's getting a bit thin now. Mm. They've got everyone in, and now it's like people who split from the band that's already in their solo career can go in as well. I think it's a disgrace that Steps haven't been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Sorry? Mm. Half the Brotherhood of Man got in, absolutely. Well, yes, absolutely. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Work is well underway on improvements to Zandvoort. Yes, this is quite... Have you read this one, John? No. This is really interesting. Really? Yes, genuinely. Right. They are... Uh, uh, you read the, the thing, because it's really interesting, Tim. Formula One's due to return to Zandvoort in May next year for the first time since the 1985 Dutch Grand Prix, and the circuit has been closed since November the 4th as construction work began to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. The final corner will be banked. Yeah, exactly as we said it would ha- would be. Massively. At yeah. 18 degrees. Yeah. That's double Indianapolis. Double, uh, it is banked. double interna- Indianapolis. Twice as steep, sorry. Half as steep as, uh, as Tim Yeah, but, uh, yeah, so don't forget. So let's not get Michelin back, because they weren't so good with those banked corners in right. uh, in Indy, were they? So, uh, yeah, the, the uh, height difference between the top and bottom of uh, that corner will be four and a half metres. Really? Yes. That is a lot. That's almost as tall as Nick. Well, actually, it is as tall as Bruce Jones. That's as tall as Nick with Bruce Jones on his shoulders. Which is unlikely. We go the way around because I think Bruce is still stronger. He's he's used to carrying people in his rugby days. That's correct. Uh, Turn three. That's the hairpin, isn't it? uh, It's also going to be banked. Yeah. And the hairpin's banked. Uh, This is going to be a parabolic curve. Really? Hmm. So it's going to change the track. So it's like a double apex banking. It's going to change the the uh, the track considerably, is it? Uh, they are doing some redesign. As we said, there are still some issues, but they have they have moved things about much as you said. Wherever it was, this was announced. And I went really. You went, oh, they can move that there. Oh, they can move that there. All right. Mm. And the start finish line's being moved as well. Oh, three for three. <laughs> exactly as we said. <laughs> Uh, do we know why the start finish? Or can you guess why? Because it was too why? close to a big hairpin. No. Because it was too far away from the... Because the, they're moving the pit. Yeah, they're moving the pits further down the pit straight. Nothing to do with the pits. Really? Why are they moving the start finish straight? The start finish straight or the start finish line? Sorry, start finish line. Uh, What's on the outside? Gantry. Sand? What's on the outside? The outside is the only place that there's actually a... Tribune. The grandstand, yes. yes. They thought it might be a good idea if the people in the grandstand were actually aligned with the start line and not uh, okay. 150 metres back from it. Right, yes. Okay, no, that makes sense. Yes, okay. Fair enough. And they haven't said they're moving the pits? They haven't, no. <sighs> they are moving the pits because they, the they have aren't to move enough. the pits. Well, the other pits aren't big enough, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, they have to move the pits. <laughs> Which will pits. be really interesting because that means with that big banked final corner you'll have to come into the pits before the final corner and it'll prove presumably flat so depending on where the pit lane speed limit is mm-hmm. it could be really really interesting there'll have to be sort of a a, a cut off well just they had, they had the I suppose you could drop to the apron yeah of the banked corner yeah and drop in because you always think they're going to sort that out, but what was the circuit recently? With the the car was a new track a few years ago, where they got the they got the pit entry pit exit completely wrong. Mm. They had to move it the second year. Where, which track was that? Uh, was that Turkey? that was that was Recard. Recard. The reason yes, on a Recard, it was yes. completely dangerous in the first year. The exit. You're thinking, how have you got that one wrong? Mm. Um, 
sand lizards. Yes, they're oh, they're they're very ah, rare. Yeah, they've uh, had to relocate them. Do you know the sand lizard is one of the three species of lizard which are uh, are native to the UK, with the right. common lizard and the, and, <laughs> and the smooth lizard. Yeah. I wish you could see my face right now because I am pulling my. That's something I didn't expect to hear on the show tonight, particularly. There's not three snakes. The adder, adder, only poisonous the grass one. snake, and the smooth snake. Yeah, that I knew. Yeah. Uh, so sand newt. lizards are also... Common newt, palmate newt. Stop it. I'm a herpetologist. I know you are, but you're going to preempt something, and I don't okay, want right, you to. Okay. So sand lizards are also native to the Netherlands. And Hampshire. Uh, as is another uh, species which is endangered in the UK. Is it the adder again? No, we're talking amphibians now. No, is it palmate newt? It's a frog. There's a frog. It's not a frog. There was a, it was a it's frog a newt. It's the Natterjack Toad. Oh, the lovely... Oh, the toads are great. I had a toad in my back garden recently. Did you? Fabulous things. There, wa- there was a special they type... They are very rare. I've never seen one in the wild. Oh, no, I've never seen Natterjack. I've only seen common toads. Uh, don't forget, the when Jaguar were talking about taking over, part, uh, taking over all of Silverstone and building their performance centre there, what stopped it was... Porsche. <laughs> Frogs, actually. <laughs> no, Germans. <laughs> it was. Uh, I didn't get my hand up quick enough <laughs> there, did I? Anyway, moving on from reptile hour. Uh, and amphibian. Yeah. Toads are not reptiles. Okay. They're not amphibians. Absolutely okay. true. And, and, and something I think we should we should discuss more often on a road racing show. Uh, I don't think we've had enough discussion of endangered. Uh, non-mammalian chordate. <laughs> uh, right. Cold-blooded uh, vertebrates. Yes. Right, I, I'm, I'm going to break away to do some tweets. <laughs> Can't here. think why. Are um, they tweets about nasa jack toads or sand lizards? No, oddly In not. In that case, we'll move on to the next story. No, no, we won't. <laughs> Actually, I, just, I got something completely wrong just then. What's up? The three lizards are the common lizard, the sand lizard, and the slow worm. Sorry, I got that completely wrong. I, Is I, a slow worm a lizard and yeah, not it's a, a snake? Lizard. It's a le- ridiculous, it's a legless lizard. It's got completely different bows. Right, it's got stop, eyelids. It's stop. got eyelids. Uh, Rob Jenner <laughs> says, is the new Brazil track going to be the next circuit of wheels? Uh, we've got... Um, stop it. Um, Define Chutzpah, says right turn lover. Naming a track that is competing with Sao Paulo for Formula One point. after famous Good Paulista Aiton Senna. That's a great tweet. Thank God. Well done, RTR. You've dragged us back. Uh, Matthew Heinemann said, I thought the FIA Hall of Fame had inducted every world champion from F1 and WRC into the Hall of Fame. Um, surprised that the WEC World Sports Guard, WSC, WEC, whatever, aren't in. Uh, very good. And uh, Jean Chauvet says, for the Brazilian Grand Prix, surely if they're going to move down there, they'll name their pace car Carlos. Oh, very good. Pache, very good. Well, obviously he was from Sao Paulo as well. Yes, well, that's following the thing. Uh, right, OK, let's uh, let's move on to uh, other motorsport. Tim. What do the following have in common? Vincent Beaumenil. Mm-hmm. Pat Simmons. Mm-hmm. Lucas de Grassi. Well, Vincent Bourmanil and Pat Simmons are both sort of technical directors. One, Vincent is the um, head of the technical department, at least, for the ACO. Pat Simmons... Is that one of the F1 advisors he, he for the is, F1 guys? Uh, he's currently... Uh, uh, what is he? 
But he, he does a he similar Chief thing. Technical yeah, yeah. Officer Chief Technical Officer, thank you. And who was the other person you mentioned? Lucas, Lucas Degrassi. Lucas. Is he going for the job of Formula E? He's driving in Formula E, isn't he? He's a Formula E driver. Has he criticised the technical director in Formula E? For, former Formula E champion. Uh, he's going to be the technical director for some outrageously obscure championship. Uh, no. Uh, RC racing. This is this. That's not obscure. No, no. This um. This might uh, be easier if I tell you about one of Lucas Degrassi's other jobs. Go on then. Is he a window cleaner in uh, in in the Belsize Park? For the United Nations. Oh, okay. He's a window cleaner for the United Nations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was taken forever. That building is massive. He is oh, the United Nations Environmental Ambassador. Ah, right. <laughs> He's the United Nations Environmental Ambassador who flies first class everywhere. I think it's private jets. Right. Uh, next week, all of these people will uh, be in London to talk about uh, the future of motorsport. Really? Where Sustainability. are Sustainability. This is the World Motorsport Symposium, which is being held at the Institution of Engineering and Technology. That? When's that then? What day is that next week? Tuesday and Wednesday. Oh, I think I might have a dodge down to that and heckle them. <laughs> <laughs> it's behind you, Maud. Also uh, present will be uh, Bryn Balcombe, who is the Chief Strategy Officer for Robo Race. Uh, David Fleury. What ever happened to that? I think it happened uh, last weekend in Saudi Arabia, didn't it? Well, I didn't no. see any pictures of it. Uh, well, we don't see pictures of anything now. We didn't even see the Jaguar. I press E trophy. E press I trophy. Wait, you, did see pi- you, did, did, you did see just pictures of one of the races. Really? There was no on television. You, on Eurosport. We Eurosport, did, there's yes. no sound. <laughs> Both races at Eurosport, on Eurosport, the international sound was messed up. Um, uh, David Fleury is the technical director at Orica. Yeah. Yes, I know David. Uh, Dialma Zinelli is head of aerodynamics at Zalara. Mm-hmm. And uh, William, William Toot is, he, is a professor of aerodynamics and. How uh, is X B A R X Ferrari and possibly X Mercedes as well, I think. He's been yeah, around I the block a bit. He's been around the wind tunnel a bit, has he? Okay, seems reasonable. Uh, right, okay. Uh, I might, so I, I tell you what, you remind me about that, and I'll nip down and try and have a word with Vincent Bourmanil and ask him when we're going to get finally get a set of actual regulations for the LMP1 2020. Okay, so that's uh, Tuesday and Wednesday next week. Right. I could answer that question. When? Well, when they've worked out, you know, who's going to give them the most activation money. Ah, <laughs> you're very cynical, Nick. Not as I didn't say you were wrong, <laughs> but you are very cynical. <laughs> the uh, the uh, Aston Martin Valkyrie apparently sounds very nice. Yes, I heard that. It, the test car's been running around the store circuit, hasn't it? It, it has. V12. Mm. Well, that's what they're telling us. Well, people who don't work for Aston Martin have said it sounds very nice. Yeah. People who live a long way away and could hear it, or work a long way away and could hear it. So it's obviously quite Compa- loud. Complain with the local government. <laughs> that's a road car, don't forget. Ipeka. Mm. Ipeka. Should we move on to still to come? Uh, quickly. Uh, no, no. Uh, well, actually, Peter Bester says, I wonder what definition of a symposium they'll be going for. 
A. A conference or meeting to discuss a particular suf- uh, subject. Or B. A drinking party or convivial discussion, especially as held in ancient Greece after a banquet. I'm going for B. I think B sounds if far more If it's B, I'm definitely fun, yeah. going down I'm, there. I'm looking at the agenda. I think it's more like to be A, given that the only drinking available is a coffee break between 15.10 and 15.40. What? Wow. Look at lunch. All right, then. It's nine o'clock, and you're on RS1. This is Midweek Motorsport, our stars on 45. Motorsport, where John has just 48 seconds to tell you what's coming in the next hour. Well, it probably won't take all of that to actually go through that, to be honest. Um, mainly, we'll be uh, talking to Shea Adam, to Nick Damon, and, of course, get your pens and paper out because we've got discounts. Never mind, never mind Black Friday. Eve's Christmas presents. You know this is the time of year to make those notes and leave them in front of your loved ones as not-so-subtle hints for what you, the motorsport fan, wants in their Christmas stocking or underneath the Christmas tree, whichever way you decide you want it. Uh, that's all to come, as well as your tweets, please, at Specutainment as we continue with Series 14, Episode 45 of your favourite Motorsport magazine programme. This is Midweek Motorsport. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. And we welcome. Oh, fantastic. Can't beat a bit of alto sax, can you? And this is the master of alto sax. Is this Kenny G? Or Ben Cossadurus, one of the two. <laughs> Very good. It is that time of year, as the alto sax fades gently into the background, that we welcome our managing director of Radio Show Limited, Eve Hewitt. Hello, Eve. Evening. Oh, you sound very good. Yeah, very good. Before you start talking about that, yes. um, just a quick word about how hard the teams work this year and how brilliant our, our listenership has been. It's been another incredible year. I, I think we totted up. We did 52 race events, most of which were outside broadcast, not all, um, across uh, 48 weekends, I think. Um, some weekends we had three teams out uh, in various different places, including some of them in, up, up in London with Tim at the, in the MCR, but far and wide around the world. And, um, yeah, it's been an incredible year. We're... I haven't looked at the podcast download number this morning, although it's my favourite thing to do at the moment because <laughs> it keeps going up and up and up and up and up. But we another three days, you'll get some November numbers. Woo! Uh, we were at uh, sixteen million two hundred thousand, Tim. I think downloads for the year so far. Last time I looked, which means that was you know doesn't include any November numbers yet. Sixteen million two hundred seventy thousand three hundred twelve. That is. Utterly incredible. That blows my mind. And how many of those? How many of those are midweek motorsport? Uh, nearly a third, not quite a third. Right. So we get four points. It's four point seven million at the moment. I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. Like As that. you can see, I hardly ever look at it. <coughs> right. Um, Nick, Nick and I are going to disappear for another piece of the chocolate tart, uh, and he's going to go through the. <laughs> it's a sliver. Yes. Uh, what have you got for us this year? The usual, some usual suspects, some new stuff. Some usual suspects. Um, it's it's a list that's designed to um, 
support our friends, listeners, and your shopping habits. Um, whilst John just turns me down to myself because it's slightly off-putting hearing so much of me to me. Uh, I have to start with a really good news, bad news moment. Right. Uh, which is that the Drew Gibson calendar... Which, which is lovely, and thanks, Drew, for sending us a couple. It's sold out. <laughs> oh, dear. I just checked in with him this evening and said, I uh, just wanted to check with you, because, uh, you know, it's really popular. And he went, first time ever. Been doing it for four years. Sold out. I think he's got one left. So, so get in quickly. Uh, uh, yeah. Drew Gibson photo. Like, right now. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I've, had to st- I've had to run around trying to find an extra. Um, so I'm going to start, not with a present, but with preparation. Ooh. From the lovely Croft and Cole, yeah, run by the fabulous Tom Onslow Cole and Rebecca Jones, yeah, and uh, part of our motor racing community. As some of you will know, last year they started out doing trees, which are delivered to your home, beautifully boxed up. This is for UK only, listeners. Yes, mm-hmm. and I think a couple of, I'm sure a couple of listeners actually had them last year, and I, th- oh, I might be lying. I think Emma Crawley might have had one, and and was telling us all how but mm. if I'm wrong with that forgive me Emma um, they've branched out this year they now have wreaths uh, candles wrapping and cards so it's great they're also running a competition at the moment all you have to do is put your email address in and you can win 250 quid's worth of goodies and that's Croft and Cole croftandcole.com I'm going to put all of this up on the collective and I'll tweet them out as individual Christmas shopping items okay um, books, been a lot of motorsport books this year and some yeah. absolute crackers. And Crackers and is the first one. Crackers is, haha, <laughs> I see what you did there. Malcolm Cracknell's Taking the World by Storm, um, which you can get at world-by-storm.co.uk, which uh, we featured and have reviewed and uh, was pinned at the top of the Facebook page for ages. Um, there are still some available. I've just checked in with um, Marcus Pox and crackers today so you can get on and get those They're, it's lovely it's a great book I really enjoyed it yeah I did too very good read it in one sitting I have to say yes you did mm. couldn't put it down literally couldn't put it you down everybody came out of the lavatory <laughs> <laughs> I read fast <laughs> um, it's not like I was in there for three days to listen. Uh, and everybody that I've spoken to who has read it um, Joe Bradley took it on holiday with him everybody has enjoyed it so don't just take my word for it what else have you got we've recently oh, excuse me <coughs> excuse me you are struggling with a cold uh, at the yes, moment I am um, we've recently been talking uh, with uh, the guys at Motorsport Magazine mm-hmm. the clean one yeah very good uh, and so I went and took a look at their shop they currently have a discount code up which is BF19 which I assume is Black Friday mm-hmm. um and there's there's some absolute crackers on there of, of presents. Sorry, back to crackers. Uh, there's a there are martini because I'm a sucker for a martini livery, and Mobile One oil can mugs for a tenner, which I really really like. Are, the, are those the distressed ones? The distressed ones. Love yeah. those. Love those. Really like those. Not that we need any more mugs in, fairness, <laughs> in this house. No, because we've got all those radio Le Mans ones. Maybe yeah. I should get Motorsport magazine to sell them for us. Anyway, That's a good idea. Um, and uh, um, there are some fabulous bookends because we've all got far too many books and we all need bookends to stop them sliding over. Right. Some fabulous um, vintage Mot- car bookends. Right, okay, motorsport and motoring yeah, themed. Yeah, those are very nice. Lovely. They're a little pricey, but they're really mm-hmm. good. Um, we know that an awful lot of people who listen to this show have um, motor racing setups. 
I'm thinking about Joe Bradley and Gary Dodds. Slot car. <laughs> Slot car. You're allowed to say skill extra. Am I? I think, Am I? Yeah. yeah, okay, fine. Um, they are selling this year, which I haven't seen before, but someone's probably going to pop up and say that they've they've had it before. A Dunlop footbridge. Really? For your for your track. And it will still be the Dunlop footbridges. You heard. In our uh, bits and pieces, they're going to be good, yeah, but it will still be done a lot at Le Mans. Which is why I thought it was topical. Yeah, very good. So that's 11.99, um, just on the Skelectric website. Uh, next up, we've got uh, our Gary lovely... Gary Dodds does lovely little figures, by yes, the way. Yes, I know. Yeah, we should get some of those on as we well. We should get some of those, yes. Yeah. Stick it up for Le Mans. Yep. Um, they've got a great range of Le Mans key rings, and plus the RSL, RLM stickers are currently on sale. Dan, down the sticker man. Dan, down the sticker man. Uh, so that's a great one. Um, now then, this is a special one. Um, Paul Sharp, who is a listener, uh, years ago was given an old Olivetti typewriter. Mm-hmm. And he types pictures, car pictures, <sighs> using the typewriter. And they're brilliant. They're really, really good. And you can get them via um, Etsy, which most people will know, ETSY, mm-hmm. which is like a gifting aggregator. Mm-hmm. Um it's called Letter A Art, and if you use the discount code RSLMWM until the 8th of December, you will get a 10% discount. And thank you very much, Paul. That was great. I, I don't even know. I've seen these, and I've seen them done by computer, which is one thing. But to do them by hand yep. on an Olivetti... T- oh, I put, I put an ampersand <laughs> in there when it should have been an S. I'll have to start again. Oh They're really goodness. good. They're really. You go okay. and have a look. Well done, Paul. Uh, so that is uh, letter A art mm-hmm. on Etsy. You'll find Very it there. Uh, now, some of you who listened into our coverage from Le Mans Test will have heard us talking to Nigel Scott Dobby, mm. um, whose books about Corvette racing are things of legend mm-hmm. um, and he has a new one out which is about the first 20 years of Corvette racing which yeah. is, and it's in a yellow cover the previous one was in black that was the GT1 one wasn't it yes you can get that it's really good I mean it's incredibly encyclopedic and fantastic and he talked about it on the air at, at test you can get that from silverwoodbooks.co.uk don't be tempted to go to Amazon two reasons number one they don't have it number two the GT1 one is on for the stupid money right. so silverwoodbooks.co.uk and in the states you can get it from the corvettestore.com and nigel we'll have a chat with nigel before christmas because he's bringing his zr1 zr1 to hind off towers um for us to have a play with and we will have one of those to give away and we haven't worked out how we're going to do that mm-hmm. but nigel's already let me know he's going to bring one up uh, for a prize so there will be one up for grabs super super um, Absolute must if you're a Corvette fan. Yes, in fact, if you even if you're not, even if you're not, um, very, 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 very good. Right. Uh, next up, I did go back to Etsy because I was looking at uh, Paul Sharp's um, pictures to see what else they have, and they do have some really quite good uh, racing presents. They, including some boxes of racing chocolates, which are in the shape of motor racing helmets. Yeah, I've seen those, and, and I've seen those guys on Twitter, and they've asked for help on the collective before for ideas and things like that. They're called racing chocks. Yeah, racing chocks, that's right. And there's also someone doing, for now, a very faithful Le Mans outline, a bit like the um, linear linear edge edge ones, but small. Right. 
so you didn't have to take up an entire wall with it they're sort of um, placemat size mm, okay. things um, so I thought they looked really good um, we also I tell you what what's the thing we... that you get asked the most <laughs> most about from any time after the week after Le Mans oh the Duke video mm-hmm I was going to leave that till last. All right, I will leave Still that till last. No, no, that's fine. Sorry. No, I was going to talk about... <clears throat> I was thinking about toys. Because, all right, we've grown up. Blah, blah. Works for <laughs> us. <laughs> Nick, Nick suddenly wakes up in the corner from his post-prandial slumber. Um, and there's lots of those Lego, you know, build a Porsche, build a... SR71 Blackbirds just come out in Lego. Yeah, which is fine. That's But it's like grown-up stuff. You can't play with it. No, true. You'll be shouting, true. put it down, put it down, Becky, it's not a toy. It's not a toy, Becky. Yes. can't even take it out of the box. No, well, <laughs> so anyway, I wanted to look for an actual toy that right. a child could play with. Okay. While we were in the States, we saw a number of ads for um, John Cooper Works minis. Yes. With with his words overlaid to it. Yes. So that's why I spotted this, because you, you can go and buy... Um, a 1967 Mini Cooper S rally car and a John Cooper Works buggy set that comes with a garage and little men with wrenches and you can play with it. Okay, very good. Where's that from? It's 44.99 from Lego. Right, so that's another Lego. Yeah, it's a Lego it's a, thing, but it's one you can actually... Right, and it's not, it's not 16 million pieces? No, no and it's 44.99. Okay, so I rather 328 was, yeah. quid. Um, travel destinations... Um, I have checked this. They are still selling gift vouchers. Now, ah. I know that we have a number of listeners who are saving like crazy to be able to come to Le Mans and do everything. Last year of the current LMP1 regulations, next year? Well, you don't don't have to be spending them to come to Le Mans 2020. You no, can come true. to Le Mans Classic. Mm-hmm. Which is next year. Which is next Nürburgring year. Or 24, the Nürburgring, or Daytona. Or Spa 6, or, or whatever. So, yeah. so, travel destinations, gift vouchers, perfect present. Great or, idea. Or, obviously buy someone a fabulous package of you know yeah but that's nice to see isn't it if somebody says what do you want for christmas and it's your aunt or uncle who normally would get you a dodgy sweater or a pair of socks that goes into your bottom drawer say no just get us a voucher from there and they're in, and they're in sensible denominations yes. it's yeah. not 100 220 000, is Correct. it and i no. checked i checked with andrew melly this evening so they definitely still have them yeah and right. they'll be able to talk you through how long they're valid for and all yeah, of that stuff. i've i've got one i want to add in which is a good friend of ours neil gardner are we having uh, 13 days of Christmas? Yeah, we are. All right, fine. Um, Neil Gardner's Automotive Art. Neil um, drew my uh, 993 a little while ago. And I think it was two or three years ago he posted it up because I went up there to, to pick it up and he posted a picture of a, a somewhat more of Hindhoff. Uh, the car's the same size. Hindhoff was a lot bigger in those days. Uh, and uh, Neil has a brilliant selection of, of pencil drawings that he does. And they are extraordinary. Um some in black and white, some with colour added to them. Uh, and uh, he, uh, the BMW art cars um, with uh, Andy Warhol and people like that. Sorry, I was Sorry. looking at that. Can you find him? He looks rather old. I no. It was a picture of Andy Warhol painting the BMW art car. Uh, there's a number that you can choose from. He does aviation uh, as well. Or you can get him, as I did, to do a commission. And he's done some stunning one-offs down through the years. He does people as well, rather well. And that's at ngautoart.com. Um, he's a listener. It's not his business, but he does everyone with care and with pride and with passion and emotion. It's, it's brilliant. And next up, talking about people who are brilliant, 
is our t-shirt store which has been done by Andy Andy Blackmore's done the designs with Mark Mullen from um, fulltalkgear.com yeah and the new t-shirts are up as we announced I think last week yeah so we've got the the world tour um, that's which going like hot cakes actually makes my head spin when I read the back because it's like we can't possibly be into all of those places but we have can I make a point about that That a num- I've seen a number of things first of all one of the reasons we went with Full Talk Gear and Mark Mullins and the guys is because they have as much passion about what they do and they are racers as well but just as much passion as we do and they will answer any questions that you have if you want something specific in terms of a size or something like that ask them because every single one is produced to order. They don't hold stock, so they can never run out. You put your order in, they produce them, and then they either send them from the US or from Europe, depending which one you're closest to, to keep the postage costs down. Yeah, and you, it's fulltalkgear.com, or just click the link on the front of the website. Yeah, of our website. Uh, our website, yeah. Yep, yep. And finally. I like the new prototype one. And finally. Yeah. And finally, Eva. I'm spoiling you. Mm. Duke video. Every year, everybody starts asking me about the Duke video, the Mom DVD. Normally before the Mom finishes, actually. And I know that some of you have already bought your Le Mans 2019 DVD. Mm. However, I have for you, not 10, not 15, but 20% off. Wow. Anything on the website. Anything. Yep. And the code is RLM2019. Right. It should be active now. I will double-check that with Duke when I come off the air, but that's what I'm told. 20% off in the store. Brilliant. Uh, all of Cher, uh, of Eve's Christmas presents uh, will be on the website with all the... Uh, on the uh, Listeners Collective on Facebook, and Eve will tweet those individually as well. Uh, and you can also listen back, of course, if you didn't get all the details. Thank you very much, Evil. You're most welcome. Lovely dinner tonight. You're most welcome for that as well. And uh, now I will wake uh, Nick up again uh, as we continue with Stars and 45, the uh, 45th event of our midweek motorsport year. Uh, and Tim Gray is up in London. We were talking earlier on about the uh, FIA Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, they've just uh, tweeted a video which uh, suggests uh, some of the uh, drivers who might be being uh, inducted. Right. Because uh, it has, in this video, uh, the helmet of one Derek Warwick. Ah. The uh, helmet of one Maro Baldi. Right. Uh, it also has uh, the helmet of one Jackie X. Mm. How Derek Warwick and Maro Baldi? It has the... Uh, race suit of Fernando Alonso yes yeah? I, th- I think Alonso is going to be in there and it has some Audi Sport race suit uh, which is framed so tightly I can't read the name on it <laughs> I think that's probably the idea hang on how many, sorry how many people are already in this Hall of Fame who knows but uh, Alonso Warwick Baldi X and Audi driver in sports cars. Mm, interesting. So moving on. Uh, I've got more probably of Probably a recent one, actually. It might not be a Christensen McNish era one. It might be a more recent one. Okay. Alonso's uh, already in. Is he? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's loads already in. The inductees. There's, there's Read some out. 
Alonso, Andretti, Ascari, Didier Oriol, Massimo Biasson, Stig Blomquist, Jack Brabham, Martin Brundle, Richard Byrne, Jensen Button, Jim Clark, Juan Manuel Fangio. Yeah, Hacken, reading this in alphabetical order, aren't you? That's how it's come up on the thing. It says these are the inductees. Right. Am I in there? Um, uh, let me are there any broadcasters in there? Oh, I don't know. Well, but Brundle. Ah, but no, he'll be in there for, a, for his world. He's winning his class at There's Le Mans. There's an awful lot of rally drivers. I, I will say that. He was world, he was world sports car champion. Yes, Andy Brundle in 1990. No, no, no. Um, no. Jacques Villeneuve's in there, and so Sebastian Vettel. That completely values the whole thing. They are both Formula One world champions. Well, isn't that what we said Sebastian earlier? Sebastian Vettel won four times, fair enough. But uh, is, Isn't that what we said earlier on um, uh, with that tweet? That, uh, that Jacques Villeneuve could have won more if only he hadn't decided to uh, join BAR. Ma- Matthew yes. Heinemann said... He thought Ev, Ev had the Hall of Fame and inducted every world champion from F1 and WRC. Absolutely right. He's com- I'm just checking. He's completely correct. Right. Okay. So, moving on. Uh, Australian news. Oh, really? The Bathurst Six Hours is to have live network television coverage for the first time next year. Right. Uh, it'll be shown on the Seven Network. Uh, it was on SBS. It's been on SBS before, so it has had some network coverage. But anyway, good. It's on seven, is it? On seven. Yes. Back on the net. <laughs> That's good news, because I've worked with seven before, so that gives me <laughs> half a chance of being involved. Oh, there goes the email. Um. <laughs> uh, there'll also got be own shirt. <laughs> extensive coverage of the new uh. Bathurst International event in late 2020. Uh, and this is the... Uh, this is the TCR endurance race, isn't it? Yes. Mm. That will be just one of the featured categories. And who's that on? Is that on also seven on as seven, well? Yes. Um, and uh, the new S5000 championship. There's not a date for that, that yet, though, is there? Uh, no, but we do know that. Um, is that 2020 or 2021? 2020. Right. Likely, likely we to be the, the end of November, beginning of October. Six hours is Easter weekend. Yes. We don't yeah. know about the. Bathurst International yet uh, and Seven have also announced that uh, they're going to cover every round of uh, TCL Australia oh really yes not necessarily live presumably. not necessarily live the first one does look like it's live mm. that's on March 27th I'll have to get Creelzy on to have a chat about that and find out uh, what what the upshot of that is for the uh, international coverage uh where are we going next? Uh, it's the third two, year of the Hall two, of Fame. Two, two, um, two British drivers uh, did very well at the weekend in Saudi Arabia. Yes, uh, they both won. Sam Bird, uh, who is now from the northeast of England. Since really? Where has he moved to? Uh, near Newcastle. Has he? Yes, really? about three years ago. God's country. Well done. Actually, do you know what? I knew that. No, he lives down. He lives in. Um, doesn't he live down at um, Sir John Hall's place, um, uh, Wynyard Hall, or somewhere like He's that? One in every single season of, of Formula E. No? The only person to have done so. Well, the Smothers might be. We are only two races yeah. into this season. Uh, London's Alexander Sims was the uh, winner for the second race, and we sh- didn't do as well in the first one. They shouldn't. Who's the, I ju- they didn't. I didn't get to see it. Who's the overall points leader? Because they, because because Bird had a first and a nothing. Sims had a first and about an eighth in the end. Is it is it Van Dorn with two thirds? No, Sims uh, with first and eighth um, gives him a thirty-five points. Right. 
And what's um, Van Dorn got? Which is more than two-thirds for Stoffel Van Dorn, which would only be 34 points, mm. wouldn't it? Uh, and a pole position. No, you're right, it's 30. And, 30 and points. And, a pole and the pole position is a good point. And yeah. a pole position. Um, Sam Bird's third in the championship. You get a point for pole position, a point for... And two points or three points for the shootout. I can't remember what it is. Oh, it's that's okay. So... Uh, I didn't think much of the track. I thought they'd... Uh, I must admit... Track ev- spoiled it for everyone me. Everyone seems to be significantly more sensible than last year. Uh, the the, the accidents were caused by bad luck rather than stupidity. There's been a lot of discussion on the Radio Show Limited Listeners Collective about Formula E again. And I'm, I'm not getting involved in any nonsense about whether it's worthy or not worthy um, or anything. Um... Because I think we're long past that now. My submission to that is it's like every other form of street race. And it's either a procession or a crash fest. I watched three street races. No, four street races over the weekend. Because I watched both of the uh, V8 races. Are they crash fests? um, And both of the Formula A races. And they were, for the most part, pretty boring and and processional. They're... What saved the V8, uh, the Virgin Australia Supercars rather, in Newcastle was how spectacular those cars are um, and how quick they are. And the tactics was very interesting. Now, you can see it, and I've made this point before, when everybody talks about gimmicks for Formula E, well, there's gimmicks in every form of motorsport in terms of let's, let's take Virgin Australia Supercars. You have to make two pit stops and you've got to drop... Uh, 140 litres of fuel whether you need that or not you've got to drop 140 litres of fuel it's a form of performance balancing and interest making so that you get some changes around the pit stop strategy in Formula E there's no pit stops although I'll come back to that in a moment they have fan boost right um, which is um, negated these I think well but that's more than attack mode but it's for a much no it's the same as attack mode no it's not it's an extra 50 kilowatts for fan boost and 35 for attack mode. I will take that on advisement. Right. Rather than well, that's what they were seeing at the weekend. Rather than screening on air, I will take that on advisement. Well, that's what they were seeing okay. at the weekend. Um, so it's quite a lot for, for fan boost, but of course it's only for five, five seconds, seconds whereas attack mode is for four minutes. Now, the problem they had with attack mode at the weekend was the attack mode was in a particularly dangerous place where you had to basically stop on the racing line to get into the attack mode, turning right. And in fact, it caused one accident. Guaymi got turned around. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, he... was un- that, was, that was entirely due to him deciding to go into attack mode. The other guy, I can't remember, was a little bit close, but I felt a bit And sorry he got penalised. I felt a bit sorry for both of them. It's one of those things where you think, oh... The problem with attack mode was there's not enough room on that track to use it to any... You can catch people up, but there's still not enough to get by. There's not enough arrows on those cars, and they're not going quick enough. And that, by the way, is not a criticism at all. But you don't get enough of a tour to, to make a pass. You've my, basically my got to do it is, on the brakes. My point is, virtually all these tracks are being constructed from scratch. Yes. On a street. On a, yes. On, using streets. Surely they can design tracks which encourage more overtaking. My point I'm, exactly. I'm, I, I, I've watched a lot of Formula E. I find it very... I, did, I actually find it very entertaining. I, yeah, I do miss the sound, but that's, that's what can you do. And I'm used to electric racing. I've been doing it since 1981. But what I will say is, it's the cars are good. The drivers are really good. It's like, please, just design tracks I can do this something This is the point with. I made on The Collective, Nick. 
traditional ra- traditional single seater racing and other forms of racing as well, but particularly single seater racing on street circuits and even sometimes on what we would call road circuits, permanent circuits, suffers from the fact that you can't get close enough and you can't pass. Mm. There's nothing that they can do much about that in terms of the tracks because the tracks is the track. Mm. You'd have to change the cars. And unlearning things that they've learned is very difficult, as we're saying in Formula One, with all the tinkering with rules and wholesale changes, which or every time we hear about F1 changes, it's going to promote overtaking, and it hasn't so far. With Formula E, they are in a unique position that they don't have to worry about what the track looks like. They can build the track however they want. To me, the track's too narrow. The track is too narrow. These new cars, uh, with the extra power, are... Um, I think are superb and the fact that they're still running on what is effectively street road rubber mm. means that they are quite difficult to get that power down and quite difficult because there's not that much if any aero I mean the wings aren't there for anything other than to look good and I don't have a problem with that either so there's a lot of low and medium speed corners where they, even if they did have aero it wouldn't work so it's all about mechanical grip and that their tyre dependent there and the Michelin tyres are grooved and that's deliberate and they look good qualifying is superb because they're on the absolute ragged edge but they don't get a lot of good racing they either get a crash fest or a procession and I think they need to do something about that and I'm going to say something here that nobody thinks I would probably have said unless you've read the the feed um, the, the discussion on the collective I think they should bring back pit stops I think they should bring back pit stops for the simple reason is you need to introduce another tactical element because attack mode isn't doing it. It really isn't Not doing it. Not in a lot of the tracks, no. I think it only works in a couple of the tracks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, they, were, they were talking about, at some point, they wanted to get some super fast charge pads, didn't they, and actually do a pit stop where you, where you got an extra bit of charge. Well, I, well, I'd like this. The reason I say pit stops is because it introduces an element of tactics um, that I think they need to shake things up. And what I think probably Michelin need to do is have two different, distinctly different tyres. So that they have a... I know that they want to have a straight tyre, but, you know, they need to have two tyres that give distinctly different performances at some stage. Because at the moment, there's nothing for... There's nothing for them to manage. The energy... They don't even have to manage their energy now as much... um, because they can get right the way through the race. They do lose energy when there's a safety car or a full course yellow, which is interesting. They get turned down. So if you get five minutes of a safety car, you lose five kilowatts of your total energy budget. Would it not be better just to add laps onto the end? No, because they're no, a TV, time, TV window. TV time window. Hmm. But yes. No, uh, like touring cars do, absolutely. Yes, yeah, it would yeah. be a much better idea if you had an open-ended single broadcast. No but it's a 45-minute plus one lap race an hour, anyway. It's an hour show. So it's an hour show, top to bottom, yeah. Um, yeah I, I there was really, nobody there, mind I the really wingers. want to disagree with you, but um, it's, yeah, I mean, they've got a great product. They're just not putting it on the right tracks, which is, which is ridiculous because they're building the blinking tracks. Mm. Make them wider. Um... Let's uh, move on. Uh, reminder that the next round of Formula E is uh, about seven months away. <laughs> In Santiago, two wheels yes. and Hi. Nick Damon. Hello. What is less aggressive than it was last year? The Honda. No. The Yamaha. No. Mark the, Marquez? The Ducati. You're closer 
by ATM. saying Mark Marquez. Alex Marquez. Uh, no, your first. My left Alex. hook. The surgery on his shoulder. Oh, right. Yes, he's, he's he dislocated his shoulder again twice. Last year, he had uh, aggressive surgery on his left shoulder. Yes, I've heard and that. And this afternoon, he just had surgery on his <laughs> right shoulder. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, he's got a par- he partially dislocated it at the penultimate round, which I can't remember where it was. Was it Montegi or something? Uh, no, when he was doing, when he fell off trying to shut uh, Quantarada, which race was that? Fuji. Montegi. No, 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 no. Oh, was hang Montegi, on, no, it? they went to Buriram. It, it was. Yeah, you're right, he's right, Buriram. It yeah. was. Mil- it, no, it was. Sipang. Yes, Sipang. Anyway, he did that. He did that. <laughs> if they, I could have got that. that. And they they fibbed about it because basically he wobbled it. He, it's obviously what he did. He wobbled it in. He wobbled it in the socket, and it going back in again. And then he did. You it know again. all about that, don't Unfortunately, you? yes. Yeah. And then he did it again in practice this, on Monday, uh, Hareth on a wet patch, and he wobbled it again. And they got ah, this could be a problem moving forward. So they're basically doing a preemptive tightening of the ligament, which I would think is going to be nothing like the recovery which you have from the on the proper full operation. But it's interesting. He's, he, you know, he does fall off an awful lot. Sometimes he seems to get to a certain point that he falls. Off. You know how F1 drivers spin a lot on Fridays because they find the limit. Yeah. Well, I'm, Marquez appears to have taken that concept of keep going to falls off and then carry on again. He does fall off a lot. I mean, I know the airbags suits have, have saved him a few times. It does mm. seem he's beginning to pick up that wear and tear. So they've done the testing, the pre-season, the post-season testing, um, and they'll go away and think about it now after four days, two days uh, at Valencia and two days in Jerez. And uh, as seems to be always the case in testing, the Yamahas were the quickest, but it doesn't translate to races. Uh, what is wrong with the Yamaha? Not according enough power. to uh, Rossi. Not enough power. Yeah. And, and, he's, and in fairness to him, regardless of, of where you think he is in his career cycle at the moment, the the Yamaha is noticeably down on grunt. Uh, what happened yesterday in the test that affected lots of riders? Rain. Rain. Rain, rain, go away. Especially from Hereth in Spain, where it's not supposed to be. Yeah, they had a they had a, a damp there, unfortunately. Well, the rain in Spain... I don't think Jerez is on the plane there, to be honest. It's quite far south, isn't it? Mm. Moving on. Uh, Maverick Vinales. Was fastest. One of the days. No, both days, I think. Uh, it was he? fastest on the first day at Jerez, having been fastest in the postseason test at Valencia. But Mark Marquez was fastest on the second day at Jerez. What's Vinales riding? Yamaha. 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 Yamaha's fast, I think, for three of the four days. Um, Marquez, even with his dodgy shoulder, was, was quickest in one of them. I thought Vinales had a pretty good second half of the season, to be honest. Yeah, I have to agree. He picked up from being really quite, well, last six races. He was just yeah. a bit poor running Last through, third, yeah. Which, fairness, I suppose, if he can carry that form on. Uh, who was third fastest? I don't know. That would have been the Suzuki of? Alex Rins. Correct. Really? Hmm. This is why testing means nothing. It's that same problem you have on a Friday and a Saturday in the in the free practice sessions in F1. Obviously, the free practice sessions in MotoGP actually count for something. In a set times, what really matters is the long runs. It's the long run times that you don't see is what really matters. The individual's fastest laps, not no point whatsoever. You, know, you, you need to know what they can do for 10 laps in a row or 15 laps in, on, on a tyre because we've seen car, sorry, bikes that are really, really quick and then just fade as they wear out either the front or the rear. So... You know, the testing times should be ignored even more for MotoGP than they are for F1. Michael Heather and Mickey Heath has just said, 
does Mark Markle's race suit airbag now need to be a Zorb ball? Yes, <laughs> yes it does. Fantastic. Yes it does. That's why I giggled earlier on. That's fantastic. And they could put a second helmet on it. Yeah, that is just brilliant. I'm retweeting that. <laughs> uh, I'd spec your team in if you want to pick up. Fabio uh, Quadraro is fourth. Um, fifth was it's quite Joanne a rare on, on a full works, full he works is, bike now. He's on the um, Petronas Yamaha. Yeah, but it'd be the f- it will be at the same spec and the same level of development as the and the same bikes. electronics. Yeah, as right. the works bikes next year. So there'll be three right. works bikes effectively. Vizioso um, was sixth. Morbidelli was seventh. Uh, can't find any. Oh yes, Jack Miller was eighth. Ninth was Polis Bagaro. I would talk. I would Tenth, talk in big gaps here. And uh, Valentino Rossi eleventh. Alex Marquez seventeenth. Yeah, Marquez still hasn't got within a second and a half of his brother, but yeah, he's that, new. That, uh, frankly, we saw that <laughs> at some qualifying and race weekends last year with the whole of the rest of the field. Yeah. And to go back to your question on gaps, uh, top eight were covered by less than a second. Yeah. Just, honestly, MotoGP is. It's interesting to see how the new new riders are running you can't even tell relatively because they will do different programs marquez had three bikes he had a, a 19 a 19 and a half and a 20 bike yeah and i think it's the same for this so you never know what they set it on it's it, you really need with 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 it most of the gp to look at long runs because it's all about how they run the tires because a single lap is completely misleading how did the other new people get on tim sorry I Which ones? I don't think there are many other rookies. Uh, really? Uh, uh, Brad Binder, how's he how doing? D- uh, yeah, how did Brad Binder get uh, on? I've only got the top ten. He wasn't in that. Okay. Well, he's on KTM, so... <laughs> yeah, well... Moving on. Uh, where are we going next? Oh, yes, we're going to s- talk about Jeremy McWilliams. Right. Who? Jeremy McWilliams. Oh, sorry. This is Jolian. motor rider. Yes, he's not very happy. He's not very happy. Who else is not very happy? Uh, Philip McCallan is the answer. Who? Philip McCallan. Phil McCallan, who is... Winner of the Northwest 200. Right. Uh, previously, and uh, has also raced on the Isle of Man TT. Yeah. They're unhappy for the reason I think they're unhappy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but it's very... This is a very parochial... Story. Is it? Is it not mm, indicative? Of think. Is it not F- Five-time world champion gets Hard nominated. Five-time world champion doesn't get nominated. In his most stellar performance. This has been Jonathan Ray's best year by a country mile. What we're talking about for those of you outside of the UK who haven't been caught up in the uh, BBC's attempt to. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Hijack all sport, even those that it can't be bothered to support by uh, putting no, no, it on the telly. No, it's not fair. In fairness, they've been running this, competi- this, this viewer-based competition since 1950-something. So it's not like a, a land grab. Sports Personality of the Year, which effectively is not about personality, but about best, achi- best achievement in sport by a British um, uh, athlete. It's more about else. promoting the BBC at the moment than it is about promoting anything else. Yes, but if any of you get a chance to have a look on YouTube, try and see if you can see the Graham Hill, Jackie Stewart sports personality interviews when they interviewed each other. Oh, yeah, they were always good fun. I remember those. Yeah. Obviously, I had to go and look through somebody it, else's I think, window yeah. I think you need to, to watch I think you need to turn down your BBC cynicism a little bit on this one. Um, have, do you listen to BBC radio when you're driving around? No. No. Um. <laughs> so the six that they 
uh, announced today, yeah. yesterday, whenever it was, were announced on six across uh, the radio stations at six different times of day at six different radio stations. And it's much more about promoting the BBC than it is about any other sport. All right, so the, but, the, but the, the crux of it is it was uh, two athletes, um, Katrina Johnson-Thompson and Dean Asher-Smith, who both won golds in the World Championships. It was Ben Stokes, the cricketer. It was um, a Welsh rugby player called Alan, Alan Wynne-Jones. Jones, and I've forgotten one. Lewis Raheem Hamilton Sterling. and Raheem Sterling. Who's Raheem Sterling is going to win. a fabulous season. Uh, footballers very rarely win. And obviously the obvious omission for people in the know is Jonathan Ray who actually came second was it three years ago second in yeah. 2017 oh, no, and the actual thing is that the nominations are done by the BBC panel but all the votes are done by real people so it's a very weird omission uh, I assume they decided you couldn't have two motorsport people in it and they would be in such ridiculous trouble they didn't have Lewis they've got two who won't athletes win they've got two female athletes yeah. in it Lewis won't win well, Lewis won't win. It's going to be Raheem Stokes. Sterling. Ben Stokes will win. No. I think Ben Stokes is the bookie's favourite, but I think Raheem Sterling... Ben Stokes is 9-2 on or something he's like that. He's a cricketer, for those of you um, out of the He's country. the best, best cricketer, all-round cricketer in the world at the moment. Um, and the uh, and I think is Raheem Jonathan Sterling Ray is 9-1. Is not the one. best all-round superbike rider in the world? He's... he's yeah, well, he's yeah. The no, I'm not disagreeing. Player. I think he should have been in there. But then again, I think there should be more than six. Well, this is the weird thing. There's been ten up until this year. It was twelve, wasn't there? So certainly, there was more than six. Cutting it down to six thing, is he just shooting themselves in the foot? I didn't see. Oh, anyway, we have gone over parochial now. But that's that's what the various Irish and road racing and motorcycle races are most disappointed about is the lack of recognition for someone who has done something remarkable this year, in my mm. opinion. And I think, I think, yeah, as much as you know, Mark Marquez has been amazing this year, but. You know, Johnny Ray as well. Next week, we'll be picking out uh, our nominees for a much more important awards ceremony. That's The, the only uh, one that counts. Never mind your FIA World of Fame. Midwick Motorsport Man of the Year show uh, is in three weeks' time. Uh, so uh, we'll be unveiling the nominees in uh, next week. Can you tell us the show. categories now? Uh, yes, we have uh, Man of the Year. Mm-hmm. Person doesn't doesn't have person. to be a man. Oh, no, right. no. Man. Individual of the man, year. Individual of the year. Yeah. Uh, doesn't even have to be a driver. But we do have a specific category for non-driver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have young driver, which Age. is someone who was 21 or younger on the 1st of January. Oh, that's easy. Uh, we have uh, a team of the year. Yeah. We have a car of the year. Hmm. I've yeah. just had a late entry into my car of the year thinking. Was it at the door? Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Drove through it. Uh, race of the year? We have race of the year and we have the listener award as well. well I'm, I'm the we don't have to do the listener award because we never listen no. to anything. Do right, we? I, need to, I, I need those all in advance because I'm away. We'll be uh, announced the following week and that's when voting will open as well. Right. Uh, Jean, uh, Jean Chauvet says, uh, what are the hashtags for the um, Man, Woman, Other of the Year nominations? You'll hear all about that next week. Right? I think you and I want to vote for the same person a lot of times, John. We may have, may have to have a chat. Right. <laughs> and um, by the way, Alan Prosser says the rugby player is Alun. Alun, yes. Alin. 
It's pronounced Alin. It's it's written Alun, but it's pronounced Alin. Alin Windjones. Nice Welsh on that. Mm-hmm. Heard that. I lived in Wales for a while. Nah, we, don't, we don't talk about you. He's an office type. Before we move we? away from World Superbike, so uh, they are starting their winter testing tomorrow. No, they've done, they they done a couple of days already. There's been a test already because I was reading stuff about. Um, They'll be starting their Hereth test tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and Leon Camier will not be there because he is injured. He's been injured oh. non-stop for the last three seasons. Uh, he will be replaced by the by the Ducati test rider, Michele Pirro. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Let's bring Shay Adam back. And say hello to Shay. Hello. Hello. Hang on, she's got two hellos today. <laughs> yeah. I only got one hooray. <laughs> Uh, and just uh, trying to get on a t-shirt. I haven't got anything on a t-shirt yet. You've got some races you've been to on the world tour. <laughs> oh, yeah, <that's> true. <laughs> Nobody's got anything on a t- We haven't got any slogans on t-shirts Bob, yet. That's a mistake, isn't it? That's where you get the fans in with a slogan. You don't read the uh, Radio Show Limited Listeners Collective, do you? It's very busy. And he's already been in. asking for that. Uh, slogans. So. Yeah, Whatever. slogans or sayings from the team. I can, I and your hooray of, was one of the first ones. I can on think it. of one actually. I think we. I think we should do. You know, um, no, it's, it's not fair. I discuss it a bit. Right. <laughs> uh, what do you want to share back for, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Uh, who indeed? Um, I'll stop, Tim. I I have nothing specifically to share. Just that it'd be nice to talk to him again. <laughs> <laughs> Worst Shay, chat up Shay, line in, ever. Shay has chocolate tart envy. <laughs> We had a very, very good homemade you, chocolate tart tonight. It was pretty, very, oh, very, very See, very now good. you're going to make me bake as soon as we're done. Yeah, I, I mean, I also have chocolate tart envy, but I'm going to make a tart I, tomorrow. I've noticed that, that Shay's incredibly suggestible. Oh, yeah. 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 You turn up, yeah. You, you, have you, Nick? Yeah, have you, you? Yeah, because you, yeah, you, you, you play a bit of fours over the weekend, you have to buy an Xbox. You know. I can't believe she hasn't got one. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, well, what other what other American news have we got to talk about? We've come to the end of most of the seasons, including yeah. drag racing, uh, and we're going to have Jamie Howe on uh, in the next couple of weeks to talk about the NHL season. RuPaul's Drag Racing. Mm. No. Uh, have you seen they've done a UK version? No. Well, it's not as to. good because they're genuinely not that bitchy. Right. <laughs> oh, please. Uh, just, no. Um so what are the, um, We're going to talk about Joseph Newgarten. We are going to talk about Joseph Newgarten. Why are we going to talk about Joseph Newgarten? He wants to race at Bristol. Really? Yes. Hey. In his car? He would like to do it in a NASCAR. Well, is that sensible in fairness? That's a lot braver. <laughs> Bristol, Bristol Night Race is one of the things that is on my bucket list. Yes. It's not quite the same now. They don't it's not get quite the same now. That it doesn't sell out. Didn't you go, Tim? I've never been to Bristol. No, I've done Daytona. I've done Talladega. I've been I've to for uh, a cup race. Actually, they're the only NASCARs I've been I to. Thought you, I thought you did that one of your global tours with Ben or something. No, we were very much in the south. Uh, I'd love to do some NASCAR stuff, to be honest with you, said Joseph. I really enjoy the NASCAR stuff. I want to do Bristol. I want to do the night race. There's more, but that's number one if I get to choose Bristol night race. What makes it so great is there's nothing like Bristol. Even if you're not from Bristol, Bristol looks awesome. I wish we could run an IndyCar at Bristol. He has! Uh, But you just can't. I've tried from a simulator. People would die. (laughs) 
Uh, Joseph Newgarden's <laughs> comments brought to you by the Bristol Tourist Authority. Um, clearly not the same Bristol that are banning cars then. Uh, very good. Oh, well, well linked. There's very few diesel NASCARs. I think it's fascinating because it's so different to me. It's not my background. To me, it's very exciting. It's something new, something to learn about, something to try to master. I'd get, I'd love to get an opportunity to go over to Bristol. What track was that? Because I didn't think he mentioned enough in that. Do you? Is it Bristol? Uh, Pocono. Yeah. Uh, can he, I talk engines? He didn't mention September 19th. Why? Is that when it is? There's no IMSA race that weekend, John. Ah. Yeah. So, it's three days after the responsible adult's birthday. Happy birthday, Eve. You're going to Bristol. Here we go. present. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I have some engine news. Go on, then. Started as a sports car engine for a road car, then turned into an F1 engine, what? now possibly a hypercar engine. What am I talking about? Do the first bit again. Started off... Yeah. As a road car, uh, as a, a proposed road car engine. Only proposed, never made into production? No. Uh, then uh, potentially a sports car engine. Uh, then lost, sorry, then gained some cylinders to become F1 and now might be a sports car engine again. When was it going to be an F1 engine? What era? For the current era. 1.6. 1.6 V6. By gaining cylinders. Yes, because it was, it was replacing an engine that had four cylinders. So, so it was 1.2 litres? No, it was a four-cylinder V4 litres, that it was replacing. Oh! It was going to be a oh, two-litre. No, 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 that's fine, I know. So I what know. is it? Porsche. It is Porsche. Absolutely right. So it's leading it as well, then? Well, it's an extraordinary story if this is to come to pass. Um, I think I've got an, another little... Maybe cul-de-sac to run into, but <laughs> certain, certainly a, a, a joker lap maybe for it to run. This is this is the engine that was built to go. You remember the 918 uh, hybrid road car? We've seen those, Shay, haven't we? And we've seen some in the states, and they're very lovely. Yeah. Um, well, that was yeah. a that was one of the test beds for various hybrid uh, performance cars that Porsche have produced down through the years. Originally. The, v- the next version of that was to have had a six-cylinder engine and hybrid system that would also replace the four-cylinder engine in the 919 race car. But, of course, the successor to the 919 was canned when Porsche pulled out of Le Mans because they didn't need to have any more race wins because Audi couldn't catch them up because they had already gone. So then, and I spoke to Fritz Sensinger about this oh, quite some time ago, it was uh, decided that that V6 might make a Formula 1 engine if it was sleeved down to 1.6. Right. But, of course, then they ha- Porsche talking about being an engine supplier only, not entering a car. Uh, and now they're looking at it as the LMP2020 engine. And... What, for purchase or for in their car? Well, presumably for whatever their car oh, right. will be. But, Shea Adam, there is another series that this car... This engine might turn it in, albeit it might go out to a little bit more than two litres again, and that's in your neck of the woods. Would that happen to be that open wheel series yes. that's based where Kelly is from in Indianapolis? Exactly right. The rumours of Porsche still won't disappear, mm. of becoming an engine 
uh, supplier to IndyCar. A third one, or to replace somebody else? A third engine supplier. Oh. A third. Mm. Now, whether that is huh. more or I... less likely, um, now that Roger Penske's in charge, not sure. A third or a fourth, because you said a third what? question mark there, didn't you? Because the, there are consistent rumours about IndyCar engines and people who want to provide them. Yes, and I would think that given the fact that Mr. Penske just my little neck of the woods down here, down here, opened a Porsche dealership fairly recently, just on the fringe of the territory claimed by Champion, um, his relationship with Porsche is quite strong right now. So that could be a very interesting prospect. Of course, you mentioned the fact third or fourth because there are are other manufacturers that we know are in talks with the series. But the fact that the Porsche one doesn't go away and now we have an engine that seems like it could be a good possibility. Mm. I like your reading in between the lines. Well, Penske has had a good relationship with Porsche for a while, ran Porsche uh, prototypes, has a number of dealerships across the uh, US. A, a number of people now that the dust has settled over the Penske buys Indy IndyCar and everything that goes with it story. We're now starting to see one or two people saying, mm, not sure he should still be running a team in that. Uh, to that, I, I would say, did Dr. Pano stop running a team in IMSA mm. when he bought ALMS? Nope. Mm. Yes, true. Good good point. Very good point. Um, the... It's not like he's going to be on the pit wall all the time. No, he stopped doing that now, hasn't he? I wonder if he'll still be on the pit box of the number six, though, in IMSA, because I very rarely, when he was at the track, I very rarely didn't see him up on that prepper. So uh, maybe he just gets his kick somewhere else. He's a busy man. There's no doubt, uh, no doubt about that. In terms of engine design, though, Nick, what you need for a streetcar, uh, even that Mercedes streetcar that they say uses a Formula One engine. <laughs> they have huge problems with um, which is now two and a half years <laughs> behind delivery. Do you know what a year of that was about? Because they, you know, they couldn't get anywhere near the emissions because the engine idles at 5,000. RPM, mm-hmm. right. And they get, get the engine idle down to a reasonable amount is just so out of design parameters. Yeah, because it is a Formula 1 engine. Mm. No, they really have done that, in fairness to them. Um, but the... What you need to do for a race engine, what you need to do for a road engine, or what you need to do with a road engine, what you need to do with a race engine, and the difference between an hour and three quarters or two hours for a Formula One race, and I know they've got to do more than one race now, but the rigours of a 24-hour race, and don't forget there are engine life expectancy regulations in in sports cars as well now, particularly at Le Mans. Um, So, a very different thing, and going from a uh, what was going to be, I think it was a 2.7 V6 originally, down to a 1.6, and now no, back yeah. up to something else. I, I, I don't know. I think, I mean, the thing for me is, that, uh, yeah, you correct yourself, but a Formula 1 engine now actually would run significantly more than 24 hours. They run about, I think it's about 40-hour life when you take in the practices and everything else. It's eight races. Eight races is 
13 or 14 hours at full whack. But what do they do to them between times? Well, they aren't allowed to do very much, and they remain sealed. They they cool down. They are they're going through heat cycles, which obviously is more damaging than just running 24 in a spin. So, you know, that's that's one of the the, you know, the impressive things about the engines. But then let's be honest, we didn't didn't see many engine failures in in WEC with the the hybrid era either so uh, and in many ways these modern hybrid engines are not massively stressed not with the fuel flow meters because the fuel flow meter is the limiting factor because without without the fuel but don't forget the modern f1 has a rev limit of 15,000 none of them do more than 12 yeah because they can't it's, it's not the effective way of getting the power because of the amount of fuel they had if they were able to you know to muck up and and and, and you know and uh, in some way you know gain the uh the uh, fuel flow, which no one would ever do, obviously, no. um, then they get more power. But that's a limiting factor. So, you know, it's an interesting, it's a really, I mean, I, it's a very interesting design challenge because you are effectively, you're fuel limited, you're rev free, but you can't use them. Then you've got the turbo, you've got, you know, with F1, you've got the heat recovery, which is pointless, but, you know, it's a good technical exercise. And you've got the ERS. But, mm. well, and, and the, the, um, the motor generator unit is is one of the problems that people have, have been having um, straight off the, the engine. Uh, just before we go to our last couple of stories uh, and tweets coming in... Can I, can I ask a genuine question? Mm-hmm. Why can't they use the hybrid engines that they had already running in the cars? Which cars? For, for hypercar. So the for, for the Porsche, the uh, Audi, and the Toyota hybrid engines are absolutely fine, aren't they? You may say that I couldn't possibly comment. So why don't they just well, use those? Audis they can't use because diesel. Yeah. Okay. But the Porsche. But I mean one, they can because there's nothing to say they can't. Exactly. I'm saying. I mean, but it, but they won't because it would be a PR nightmare. But Audi's next car, which was already designed, already had oddly a 2.7 or a 2.9 I can't remember which one which I can't remember whether it was Porsche that had the 2.9 and Porsche had the 2.7 or the other way can around can I ask a genuine question because I have forgotten right and this is not meant any, no, no. I, do you still need to produce road car versions no. of this no well, this is ridiculous sorry Karen. <laughs> well, when we see the technical and sporting regulations Carry I on. will be able to give you a more full answer of that but the concept that has been put out is no you don't you can build a race car out of a road going car uh, Glickenhaus are going to build their cars for the road and then take them to the track much as they did and by the way here's a great story great story Glickenhaus bespoke boutique call them what you will, manufacturer, went down to the Baja at the weekend, having driven the car down there, won the race, beating the might of the purpose-built Ford Broncos down there, which didn't even finish the course. They beat them by 220 miles and then drove the car back again. That is proper. So if anybody thinks, and Glickenhouse have been kind of forgotten by the SEO and the WAC, they were the first people. They signed up to a set of regs that don't exist anymore. And and the and the 20 million cost cap, which is doesn't exist anymore. And and Persia were talking about coming back, only because it's now under 10 times that much, under 200 million euros a year to run the car. So fair play to the Glickenhaus uh, guys and girls who have put together a brilliant thing. And anybody who doesn't think that they're taking their Le Mans seriously, they are taking it. We'll get Jesse on the on the show in a couple of weeks' time. Um, anyway. Um, the Audi had a petrol engine designed for the next car. So, yes, you're probably right. I'm sure it, it could be. A uh, couple of things before Tim gives us our uh, last story. It is the Torah radio show tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. All things 
Digital, uh, all things digital and virtual. Uh, and that is tomorrow evening with the Toro Radio Show guys. Uh, brilliant stuff as ever from the team in their first show without Matt Hunter, oh, yeah. uh, who's, who's uh, taking a step back uh, for the moment. And after this show tonight, and this is especially for Sarah, who wasn't tuned in earlier, Sarah Rigby, your wish is our command. We live to serve. It will be the DB11 EMR road test straight after the event, uh, straight after the show tonight. Tim, what's the last story? I want to go back to Homestead. Right. Well, it's just around the corner from Shea. Oh, well, Shea will have something to say about this, I'm sure. Um, Hello. It was the... Hi. It was the <laughs> venue for the final NASCAR <laughs> Cup race of the season. Uh-huh. And uh, the first uh, car uh, classified but not running was Josh Bilicki in the uh, 52. Um, he only completed 240 laps out of uh, 267. And afterwards, the team said he had a problem with his brakes. The second non-finisher, who did 236 laps, was Reed Sorensen in the number 77 car. And uh, after the race, the team said he had a problem with his brakes. Right. The third non-finisher was Joe Namacek in the number 15 car. Problem with his brakes? Uh, He uh, did 227 laps. And uh, the team said he had a problem with his steering. Right. This meant that uh, Ross Chastain, in the number 27 car, uh, who did finish the race, although he was uh, 25 laps behind uh, the winner, um, he did finish the race and therefore get the points. Um, And he's a teammate of Jodie Namacek. Um... And NASCAR thought this was a little bit suspicious. Right. Because uh, that meant that Premium Motorsports uh, finished ahead of uh, Gaunt Brothers Mm -hmm. in the uh, owner's standings. And why does that make a difference, Tim? Uh, It's about $175,000 difference. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, NASCAR has decided that uh, those four uh, teams conspired uh, in order to really? fix the results of the race in Homestead. So this afternoon, the number 15 car has had 50 team owner points uh, deducted. The competition director, uh, Scott Eggleston, has been fined £25,000 wow. and he's been suspended from NASCAR indefinitely. <sighs> and the, that, whoa. the number 77 team... Suspended also, indefinitely? Yeah. Wow. The number 77 That's team huge. has also had 50 team owner points uh, deducted. Uh, it's the same competition director. He's been fined another $25,000 uh, and remains suspended indefinitely. The number 52 car has been deducted 50 team owner points. Uh, Kenneth Evans, the competition director of that team, has been fined $25,000. He has also been suspended indefinitely. And the 27 car has had 50 team owner points deducted. Shea Adam has effectively called shotgun and got her uh, noms in already. Great. I th- I th- I, 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 they're none that I want. Right. Okay. Fine. <laughs> uh, just about it for this evening. Stay tuned for Real World Road Test Aston Martin Racing DB11 Streetcar, uh, which was music to my ears when I had it for a couple of weeks uh, recently. Tora tomorrow, 
Uh, and our nominations for the show of the year will be coming up next week. Until then, have a great motorsport weekend. And we'll see you next week at 8 o'clock. Uh, the Llama, by the way, is off to complain to the BBC. <laughs> this programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.